Welcome to episode 118 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight is my other co-host, Mark Nadeau. Mark, how's everything going with you? Good, good. Just finishing my vacation. Oh, vacation. My day's off. I got uh, one more week before I'm on vacation, uh, but I feel I'm kind of coming down with a cold, which kind of sucks. So uh, yeah, it does. I want to power through it because I'm a fighter. Hell yes, you sure are. Did you guys get the uh, like the warm spell today that we've had? Oh yeah, it was what's six degrees today. Snow's melting, and now it's raining, and it's going to freeze overnight tonight. So the commute to work is going to be fun tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's what's going on here. It's see you six degrees. I don't know what the fuck that is in Fahrenheit, but ours is like it's in like the mid fifties Fahrenheit. Um, and so everything's melted. Like last night I opened the door and you could just hear the running water because there was so much snow just melting and ice yeah. melting last night. Um, but it's supposed to snow again tomorrow. So ugh, it's well, going to be terrible. Something that we have as a common factor, um, if it was 50 Celsius, uh, the snow would be melting too quite fast, actually. Uh, oh yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> very fast. Yes. Very arid uh, outside. Right. Absolutely. So tonight we are going to continue our Scandinavian horror arc with a review of 2006's Cold Prey. And we're going to move on to round 48 of the Best in the Backlog Challenge, where we'll discuss Angel on Fire <laughs> and Class of Nukem High 2. Yeah. Plus, we are going to update our personal Cinefessions lists for 2018, which I'm really excited to talk about. So. Oh, and I completely forgot to do. Uh, give me a okay. <laughs> Let's pause the podcast for a second here. Okay, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm good. You good? Yeah. All right, we got this. I'm good. Don't, we got this. Don't mind my typing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 10. I've got 10, not 12. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That's all right. Well, you'll, you'll find a couple more, I'm sure. I hope so. So before we move over to all that, though, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. I really hope someone uses that in 2018. That would make my... That would make my week, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And you can <laughs> and you can also check out our long list of past reviews and all 118 podcast episodes right on over at Cinefessions.com. And speaking of social media, we did have a much appreciated correction from a listener named at Jay Bonesy on Twitter. He kindly pointed out that uh, the girl on the train is not, in fact, a Gillian uh, Flynn or Gillian Flynn, I don't know, novel. Gillian, yeah. Gillian, thank you. <laughs> but it is, in fact, written by Paula Hawkins. So that was an error we made back in the Wishmaster arc in December. So thank you very much, Jay Bonesy, for listening to the show and, and giving a shit. So <laughs> caring enough. <laughs> Woo! Caring enough to help set us straight. So. And, and anyone else listening, we love being fact-checked like that. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us via social media. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to be set correct. So thanks again to Jay Bonesy for listening and for helping us become smarter people. Knowledge is power. Amen. 
So if you are a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are uh, an incredible way for helping us grow. And so if you would like to see us grow, as we would love to see, please help us out there by leaving us a review and telling your friends about us. The best, uh, the best thing to do is word of mouth. So I know I find a lot of podcasts that way, and I'm sure others do as well. So definitely let your friends know we exist and uh, leave us that review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And then last but not least, as we talked about, the final days are upon us for to get your vote in to help us decide what our sixth and final review of this Scandinavian horror arc is going to be. So again, you can choose between Troll Hunter, Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead, Let the Right One In, or Thale. Go right over to cinefessions.com and the poll is right in the right-hand sidebar. You can't miss it. Literally, it'll be like the first or second thing you see because it's in a weird color and it's like the the text goes over. It looks really shitty, but I can't make it look any better because I'm just not that smart. So just vote in it and then I can get it down. Do remember though that that poll ends on at midnight on Monday, January 15th so that everyone has enough time to uh, purchase which, whichever film that is. And so again, Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead, Troll Hunter, Thale, let the right one in you have until this coming Monday. So if you're listening to the podcast, when it releases, you have still until Monday, January 15th, to help us decide in that poll which film you would like to see hear us review. Who's in the uh, lead right now? Right now, it's really just like a, a two-man race at this point. It is between... Okay. Let the right one in, which is in the lead, with like fifty percent of the votes. Okay. And Dead Snow Two, Red versus Dead, is a very close second. Okay. So yeah, it's looking like it's going to be one of those two, but anything can happen. So definitely get your votes in and uh, help us decide what that sixth and final review is going to be for this arc. Either way, it's going to be fucking great. So I'm not concerned, but we do need to figure it out. All right, so. Let's talk about what we've been doing this past week in the world of media. So I guess I'll start. I don't have too terribly much yet again. Um, this was another week that was dominated by my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, like I said, last week, I ended up beating Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Super Mario Odyssey. So this week, I decided to start up uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle instead it? of Legend of Zelda. Now... I, I'm liking it, but it, it's not perfect, and I'm, I'm going to get to that too because I, I definitely I, I have a lot of thoughts on it. But um, this was really one of the main reasons I wanted to own a Switch to begin with. I mean, basically, the four games I I own that I got for Christmas were like f the four reasons I wanted the Switch, the main four. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was definitely one of them. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time with SRPGs, um, but I've always liked what I've played. Like I remember. Like that opening battle in Final Fantasy Tactics when I had that when I got that on like the uh, Game Boy Advance like the snow the snow fight the snowball fight yeah. to kind of teach you the game like I remember playing that and really liking it and then I played a little bit of it but I just I, I never stick with games very often especially when I was younger and so I haven't spent a ton of time with this genre but what I have played I really like like Advance Wars another game I really enjoy um, from what I've played of but um, I, and because of that I was really interested in trying this one out and so if you're not aware. This is basically like a quote unquote, my first SRPG, if you will. Um, it isn't exactly like most others in this genre though, because, you know, there's leveling up. There is, yes, but that's not really the main focus of the game. Like you can upgrade like HP and, and things like that, 
but most of this happens automatically after a boss fight. Um, and a lot of the upgrading comes with like the weapon options. That's really your main focus. Now, mind you, there is like a skill tree that you can upgrade. Um, so I, I don't get me wrong when I'm saying that you, there isn't upgrading because there absolutely is, but I felt like the biggest thing is with your, with your weapon upgrading. Okay. Um, I, I like that. I just, I really would like a deeper kind of a, a more meaningful character upgrade system. But I mean, that's just not what this is. And that's totally fine. Um, that said, I really do like the game, like I said, but there are flaws. The first and probably the biggest flaw for me has to be the story. It's it's pretty damn pointless, honestly. Basically, like the, the rabbits have taken over Mushroom Kingdom. And obviously the rabbits are known for causing chaos. And that's what they're doing here. And so you're trying to like chase down these rabbits to bring peace back to the kingdom. Um, there's not a ton of characters, um, that you get to play as. And really, uh, like the original three characters you get are the ones you'll likely use for almost like the entire first half of the game. Like I did. Um, and even then I still use two of the three starting characters now, and I don't switch them out too terribly much because, and I feel like in a lot of SRPGs, you'll, there's like a correct set of characters to use for each different battle. Whereas here it's, you can kind of mix and match and it's not that huge of a difference. Obviously there are some minor differences in characters, but it's nothing like I've seen in the past. I'll say that. Um, but anyway, so you go through like, um, four different worlds and each of them have seven stages of two fights each or two battles each. And then two more stages that, uh, one is a mid boss and the other one is like a final boss fight. Um, I really love the actual battles, battles themselves. I mean, and they can be pretty damn challenging as you get further in. Um, but the story seems to just slow things down. Like there is a ton of dialogue and so many boxes that I'm clicking through. And I'm I'm kind of like skimming the boxes at this point because just, I just don't care. Like it's usually just like jokey things, nothing that's really like driving a meaningful plot forward. Okay. And so, yeah, there's like, you know... Um, uh, like throwbacks to like classic uh, Mario games and, and things like that, which are cute and it's fun. Um, but eh, I just don't really care that much. And so I'm kind of just going through it, but it makes it drag a little bit, which I don't like. Um, and then the other thing I'm finding kind of annoying is they threw in a bunch of puzzles and these puzzles eventually become necessary to just continue the story. Once you get later in the game and I, one, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect there to be puzzles like this in, in this game. Um, but I don't hate puzzles by any stretch. It's just the problem with these puzzles is most of them aren't very difficult. They're just time consuming. Um, and it makes it feel like they're just tossed in there to add time to the game. And I hate when I feel like something's there just to add time. I hate that. Um, and honestly, this Mark, I feel like this is a game that you would probably spend a lot of time with. In order, just because I know you love collecting things and there's a ton of like different things you can collect in terms of like different weapons and then these other puzzle pieces that you can find throughout the game. And I, f- I feel like you might enjoy doing that. Um, but for myself, like I'm getting these as I go, but I'm not, I'm not going out of my way too much to find these, if that so, makes sense. You know what you I mean? You don't feel like, very immersed in the world. Is that correct? I Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Which seems like a harsher criticism than I really intend it to be, because the main focus on this is the gameplay, this the battles, you know, and and they're a, a ton of fun. I really like them, and so it's just kind of the other shit that's thrown in there to 
make it feel like a like a real a legitimate game, you know. But yeah, um, I'm guessing I'm probably about eight to ten hours in or so. Uh, I don't think it's updated yet on my on my Switch yet to tell me how many hours. But I'm guessing probably about eight to ten. I'm gonna probably have about another two hours of gameplay or so left before I beat it. Um, I'm at the beginning of the fourth world, which is the final world. So I'm hoping to finish it uh, this coming weekend here. So, okay. you know, I like it overall and I definitely would recommend it if you enjoy this type of genre or if it's just a genre that you're interested in getting into because it's definitely a uh, like a beginner's SRPG or tactical RPG, whatever you whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, but it, it definitely has its flaws, which is fine. You know, nothing. No game's perfect. Um Odyssey, I thought, had a little bit of flaws too. Not as many as this one, but um, you know, either way, I'm sure a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun with it. So, you know, I recommend it, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I'm definitely going to beat it. Just a matter of time. So, well, well, at least are, are the bar- boss fights fun? Like, yes, just, yeah? they are. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, hey, not all games are going to be everybody's cup of tea, right? So, you found what you don't like so much. At least you didn't buy it digitally, and at least you could maybe get a little resale out of it. Maybe get yeah. 15, 20 bucks if you really want to do it, you know, but. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I, I I don't want it to sound like I'm not enjoying it because I definitely am. But it's just like I've noticed these things about it and they're st- they just bug me a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, And they just announced today that like Donkey Kong DLC is coming to it. So I'm interested to see what that brings to the game in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll probably hold on to it just for that reason. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so. I was kind of bummed by the announcement of Donkey Kong, just because I've never been a big Donkey Kong fan. I was kind of hoping for maybe some Wild Luigi or some Wario, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been really cool. I, yeah. I love Wild Luigi yeah. and Wario. That's, they're fun. Uh, it's a game I've bought, but I have not yet played, so. Okay, yeah, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. And I think you'll like it. I just, like I said, I think you'll like it. Like, I do just, uh, you know, I think you'll, you might agree with me. Uh, uh, I'm actually Chris. Chris um, is playing playing it with me as well. Like obviously not with me, but along at the same time. He actually yeah. just beat it a couple days ago, and um, he he was pointing out basically the the, the same idea. Not not so much the puzzles. He didn't really have a problem with those too much, but the yeah. uh, the story was his biggest was his biggest complaint. Now, do you feel that if you played it on medium difficulty or normal difficulty instead of easy, you would get more fulfillment out of the game? I that's what I'm playing it on. Like you so oh. every battle you go into, you can there's an option you can push the Y button and it gives you takes you to easy mode. Oh really? Um and so basically the only difference in easy mode is that it like restores your HP back to whatever it is. And I think it gives you like a fifty percent bump in HP or something. Okay. I don't know. But um and so like I use that for this, I think it was like the third world mid boss. I was like at the point where it's like, well, this is like, I've tried it like a fucking felt like a dozen times. And I was like, well, I'm done yeah. with the game. Like I'm not getting past this part. So I'm done. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to try an easy mode. And I beat it in the first try. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, okay. some, so, sometimes games are tough and you need that easy yep. mode to bail you out. I yes. totally understand. Yep. I do. Cause I suck at video <laughs> games, but uh, you'll, you'll probably not have a problem, but well, we'll, we'll but see it's uh, whenever it's I finish so. uh, Zelda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but other than Mario Plus Rabbids, I did try um, NBA 2K18 on mm-hmm. the Switch, uh, mostly just to try it at this point. Um, with the short amount of time I spent with it, it was really impressive. Um, it is a full-fledged NBA 2K experience 
but it's playable as a handheld. And that's actually how I've how I played it with was in handheld mode. And okay. I mean, that's just really fucking cool. Um, I set up an expansion my league team, which just like blows my mind that I can do that on a handheld do a fucking expansion like that's so cool um but anyway i used like the san diego surf so the only thing you can't do is import created teams um like you can in like the ps4 and xbox one version like people will create like the seattle supersonics for example and they'll load it to the you know load it online and then you can pull that in in the ps4 and the xbox one version you can't do that in the switch version for whatever reason like uh yeah probably um but otherwise it's you know pretty much fully featured um anyway i used one of the the created teams they already had on there the san diego surfs um i think they're called but anyway so i picked my team which is just like filled with a bunch of like super old dudes because i recognize them okay and i know virtually nothing about like the current state of the nba i mean not nothing but i know so little i know like the big players today but not a lot of the smaller guys that would be available in an expansion draft because sure. obviously it's going to be your second year guys but yeah yeah, so like Muxy um, Bows, Muxy Bows, awesome. <laughs> I wish he was on the game. He's, still. Re- he's really short, though. So speaking of the Seattle Supersonics, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think right. He played uh, maybe Charlotte. Uh, no, I think it was Seattle. Uh, he might okay. have finished with the Hornets, but I think yeah. it was Seattle. So. It was him. In, but anyway, it wasn't him in the uh, Matumbo. Weren't they? I, I think so. That sounds right so to me. What but team was that? Was that not the Houston Rockets, or am I completely out to lunch? I honestly have no idea. Dude, yeah. See, we're hockey fans. We don't, yeah. we don't do basketball. Yeah, I just uh, yeah. I can, I can do I can do any sport but ba- but basketball basically. But <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, the game, like I said, the game the game I played was a ton of fun. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of dive deeper into that one and to see it on uh, on the big screen. Um, but yeah, so. And then, like we talked, I mentioned Nintendo Direct was today, and they announced that new Kirby game mm-hmm. um, is coming in like March fifteenth, somewhere around there. Yeah, March. Um, Mario Tennis Aces or some shit. Yeah, um, is coming, and a port of The World Ends with You are coming to the Switch. And I am like, I'm really excited for those three. Um, did anything else stand out to you about those announcements today? Well, I'm not familiar with the world ends with you. Uh, I kind of like the the actual art. It makes me. It, it feels very Jetset Radio like. Um, I'm not sure oh, where. Absolutely. Yeah. So was that an original 3DS game or something? Like I'm no, not. No, it's it's originally a, D, a Nintendo DS game. Oh, okay. So it's old school. And, um, yeah, and apparently it was ported to um, like Android. Oh, okay. And iPhone. And that's like the definitive edition. And so basically the question is now, are they using the like cell phone edition of the game just for the switch or what? Um, oh, I don't but, know um, I'd be surprised. Either way, like I'm excited for it because I, this is one that I, when I was working at GameStop when it came out and like it didn't sell very well at least I, I might be remembering one but i feel like it didn't sell very well but then caught on later on and everybody wanted it after the fact yeah and we could never keep like a used copy in stock um and i just never picked it up for whatever reason but like my coworkers were obsessed with it and they always ranted and raved about it and so i'm really and recently actually be, uh, before this i was thinking man i'd really like to pick that game up or play it you know uh play it somehow Mm-hmm. Um, and then they announced for the switch. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Like I'll definitely wait and grab it. It'll be, you know, more expensive than I could get it on like, you know, the DS or I'm sure, but yeah. 
I think it'll be it'll be worth it. I'm excited to try it. Yeah. As for the Nintendo Direct Mini from today, um, excited for the for the tennis game. But at the same time, I used to buy the tennis games like on the Dreamcast, like Virtual Tennis, and after a while, mm-hmm. you just get bored. So <laughs> I might not buy it right away. I might maybe get it when it uh, becomes a uh, like a Boxing Day sale or a Black Friday sale or something. Um, I don't feel like like out of all of them, I think that one interests me the most. But I also like the Kirby mm-hmm. game, um, the SNK Women's Only Tag Team Fighting Game. It looks like lots of fun and reminds me of a game okay. that was like that for the Neo Geo Pocket, which it was a handheld oh, back okay. in the day that I loved. Um, so this seems like a indirect sequel to that um but i suck at fighting games so chances of me actually picking that up are slim to none but i like that it's out Mm -hmm. Uh, man they're diversifying their games a lot with all these nindies coming out as well i'm loving the slate um so as of like dark soul remastered probably won't pick it up never really interested me in the first place um even the donkey kong one uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, that's, I guess, what they're doing right now is they're porting a lot of Wii U games that didn't really sell to exactly. the Switch, which I'm cool with because it's going to give them a new audience. And, like, the, the fucking code's already there. Just spruce it up a bit, right? Um, the right. Hyrule Fighters would be a game I'd be into if uh, it integrated more uh, Breath of the Wild characters because I don't, I haven't mm. really played any Zelda games. So they've got, like, 20 or 30 fighters and um, I don't know anyone. So chances are that I probably won't pick that up. Unless Is that one would... just like a one-on-one fighter? Well, it's like those uh, Dynasty Warrior games. Oh, okay. Got... So, uh, uh, so Mizzou like a... or whatever the hell they're yeah, called? Yeah, so it's like a 100-on-1 fighting. I... I've never played those games before. So am I curious? Yeah, you know. Uh, but let's say that they added, like, they're adding skins for Zelda and Link that they had in Breath of the Wild, which is cool. But if they could add the four champions to the game, that would be so awesome. I'd get it just for that. So it could be DLC on the line. I don't know. But for now, I'm probably going to stick to uh, finishing Zelda first. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, two games that I, I want to buy that I haven't bought yet because, well, I'm getting a backlog. Uh, we mentioned Gold. Uh, golf story last time yep. um I tried it yet. yeah yeah so that's when i want to get i'm going to wait until it's on sale because i don't need it right now um darkest dungeon comes out next week on the 18th and that's a game uh, it's a pc game and it's a game i've seen being played on twitch a lot really oh. cool uh graphics i like the art style and it's about you leading a group of people in a dungeon and like when your character dies in a dungeon your character's gone for good so you gotta, so you gotta upgrade your 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 uh, your group. But if you just load on to one guy and he gets killed, then all that grinding is gone for nothing. Um, so that looks really cool. And now is that, that a co-op game? Do you know? I don't think so. I don't believe yeah. it is. I I know again. I know very little of it. I just watched a bit of it on on Twitch. But gotcha. uh, now that it's coming out for the Switch, because I think it just came out for the PS4 or it came out a month or two ago, but I had heard that it was coming out for the Switch. I'm like, well, this is a perfect portable game. So Actually, um, it's, it's been on the PS4 and Vita since September of 2016. Seriously? Yeah. Really? I thought, yep. I thought it was PC only and it just came out on the PS4. 
No, it's been on PC since January 2016. iPad came out August 2017, and then Switch is January 18th, 2018. Huh. Well, fuck me. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm going to get it for the Switch. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it comes out next week. That's going to be in my, probably uh, my next indie game or an indie game I'm going to pick up uh, um, with uh, Golf Story down the line. But it's on- it sounds fascinating. Yeah, I want to check that out because it's a mix, it says a mix of real time movement and turn based combat. So that sounds very interesting to me. Yeah, and there's no rabbits, so awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But yeah, have a better story. Yeah, but apart from that, uh, there wasn't very much else that I was really curious about. Uh, yeah. I, again, uh, D- the Mario Odyssey is getting some DLC, which is awesome. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I'm definitely interested in that. Some free modes. Again, that's a game that hasn't been uh, <laughs> started yet on my system. So right. yeah, I want to play the base game before I start buying DLC for all this stuff. No, absolutely. Um, so Mario Tennis. So you say tennis games get boring. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. But Mario Tennis. Now, I need to wait because the Mario Tennis that was on Wii U was basically just like a regular tennis game and would have gotten boring and it was actually had really negative reviews and everything. Yeah. But Mario Tennis on the N64 uh, Game Boy Advance, well, that that too, but I I spent most of the time with Mario Tennis on Game Boy Advance and okay. Mario Golf on Game Boy Advance. Okay. And it's like a sports game with an RPG mixed in, which is exactly why I bought Golf Story. And so because it has those RPG elements where like you're building up your character yeah. and going through the story mode, that's what kept me coming back to it. And that's what I'm hoping this Mario Tennis is going to be on the Switch. And if it's not, honestly, I'll probably wait on it as well. So I'm going to wait on reviews to see what it's actually about, or at least wait on previews to see, you know, what modes are involved. Well, it does have a single player mode. It's got a pretty I should say it's got a story mode. Oh, and then I'm yeah, I'm in. And it is uh, made by Camelot, which I believe made the last yep. good one. The one yep, you mentioned, did, yes. the, uh, the Wii U one, that's, I guess, the, a, a shitty game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's what uh, I've always heard, yeah. But yeah, apparently this is by the guys who did the last good Mario Tennis game, so so we'll see. I would be more excited yeah, for a Mario Golf game, I'll be honest with you. Um, oh, okay. See, I actually I actually enjoyed the tennis over the golf in the Mario games, but I, I loved them both. Don't like, yeah. But actually playing it, I enjoyed playing the tennis more than playing the golf. But knowing Nintendo, we're probably gonna get Mario Golf. Mario Soccer is gonna come back. Like this is. Oh just, my god! I wish this is just the beginning. Like this Mario Soccer. Oh my god! Super Mario Strikers, get off my nuts! That game is fucking fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best soccer games. Ever, I love that yeah, game. So it's only a matter of time for these these all get ported or you know new iterations yep. of of the games come out. So yeah, we just gotta be patient. Eventually, it's all gonna come. Absolutely, yeah. And that's just I cannot wait to you know have a hockey game on my Switch. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like that's well, just gonna be awesome. I would love NHL 2K or NHL 19 to be on the Switch. Right, that would be a guaranteed purchase for me just to play mm-hmm. portably. Guaranteed purchase. Right. Yep. If they can, if they fit in like the expansion mode and everything, there is no chance I would be buying that on any other system other than the Switch. Yeah, it's as long as it's not bare awesome. bones and it isn't exactly a shittier version like the that last wrestling game, two K eighteen. Oh, apparently yeah, garbage. it's hot garbage. Um, yep. So as long as it's a decent port, I think I might wait for reviews for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm still waiting for uh, uh, they're announcing Fire Pro Wrestling for the Switch. I'm waiting for that to happen. Wait, do you know this is happening? You're hoping it happens. I'm hoping it happens. 
Oh, okay. announced it for the PS4 with the developers mm-hmm. saying we would love to do it for the Switch. Uh, okay. PS4 still does not have a date yet. I know uh, it sucks. So I'd rather buy it on the Switch. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, whatever system you buy it on, I'm buying it on because that would be a ton of fun to play multiplayer. So. And then I'm gonna find out which system you bought it for. And then I'm gonna cancel my original purchase <laughs> and buy for the other system. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the shit. <laughs> That's what a heel does. <laughs> oh, man. Just falling into our roles. That's all. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, so that's that's about me for this week. So, um, No movies? No, nothing. I watched these two and uh, that was it. So, yeah. And then, wow. like I mentioned to you, like I'm starting my new role on, on Tuesday. So, I have a much further drive. So, I think I'm going to be listening to a lot more podcasts and playing a lot less yeah. video games and, and watching a lot less um, until at least until I get adjusted. So. We'll see. Well, you know, you can always you can always duct tape your switch to your steering wheel. <laughs> great idea. There's a ton of traffic, so I mean, I really won't be hurting anybody. So that's a great idea. It's hands free, officer. <laughs> I'm not touching it. <laughs> oh man. Well, excellent. So, what about you, good sir? Well, uh, well, I'll start with gaming as well, I guess, since uh, you know you uh, led with that. So, um, since I've had a few days off, I wanted to reacquaintance myself with my PS4. So I've been playing more Destiny. Uh, two um so pretty much i've been playing just that uh when i've had the chance i've only had like two gaming sessions on my last days off but uh the time spent has been great i'm loving this game um i think i'm on the fourth world now after getting all the side missions in the story mode i think it's chapter seven i'm at um but i am playing according to this here a woken female warlord uh, oh, probably Warlock. So she's pretty much a bald, blue-headed chick. Okay. And uh, she is badass. So as of right now, um, I'm on level 13, and uh, my power level is 134. And uh, yeah, um, I really don't know if that's any good or not. I don't yeah. think it is. You're speaking I yeah, honestly you're speaking don't know. French to me. I don't know what, what that yeah. is. So. But uh, I took actually took a print screen, or I, I guess I shared uh, uh, a print screen. I, I, You're so old. I, 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 got, <laughs> I know, right? So, so I'm printing on my Doc Matrix right? and the ribbon. Uh, yeah, so I, I took a picture of the screen and yeah. I, I sent it to my Twitter so that I could do a, uh, a screen grab all on my phone mm-hmm. where I could then put on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, That's what I like about the Switch and with the PS4 yeah. is that I, I'm sure for the Xbox as well that with, you can now share like print uh, you know screen grabs on social media. Yeah. So for me to put this on Instagram for a fucking post, right. I have to I have to save the picture, Uh-oh. tweet it out, go to my uh, profile, uh, gr- screen grab on my phone, delete the tweet, <laughs> and then I've got my image. So. If there's That's an awesome. easier way, that'd be awesome, but uh, I don't know. I know, because if you if you just but, take a picture of it with your phone, people are like, you know their screen grab options, right? And it's like, oh, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and, it, and it just looks shitty. At oh, least it, this, exactly. it, it seems like it's right from. Exactly. So anyways, uh, so yeah, so uh, I'll probably, you know, talk about my Destiny journey in like next week or so since my challenge is done and I need to find content <laughs> for the Instagram. <laughs> um but uh, yes, yeah, so I've played some of some Destiny, and uh, as well, I've been playing uh, on the Switch some more Link, oh, Link, Jesus Christ, some more <laughs> Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, as Link, um, I've been able to get enough stamina in my game where I was able to glide to this island 
And uh, it's kind of cool. It's a shrine island where the goddess strips you of all your clothing, minus your gitch, and all your weapons. <laughs> and it's kind of like Survivor, where you have to get these three balls into these three holes. And you have to fend for yourself with no armor and no potions and no food and anything. You got to scavenge yourself. Is this real so, or is this a porn you were watching the other day? Oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would I would so whack off to that. Um, yeah, so uh, so I'm a third of the, the um, third of the way through the challenge, and uh, having difficulty because there's a big Hinox beast, which I could take a picture of later on. And uh, well, all I have is like branches and like boat oars to fight it with. So mm-hmm. I gotta find ways to to bring its energy down. Haven't yet, but uh, yeah. So when I'm not playing PS4 and I'm just on the couch, you know, trying to just chill, I'm playing Zelda. Am I done, Zelda? I I could probably finish it sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm just I'm just enjoying it a lot. But I I know I have other games to play. But anyways, so there's that. Um, as for TV watching, well, I'm two episodes into Hemlock Grove season three. Um, I haven't watched any of it since last podcast because on Twitch this week since Sunday. It's the, uh, I guess, maybe annual uh, Games Gone Quick. I think there's one in North America and there's one in Europe. So I guess it's semi-annual. But uh, yeah, so it's a week-long marathon where uh, people are speedrunning games 24-7 on this channel. Um, and uh, they're um, uh, they're uh, trying to uh, get people to donate money uh, for cancer research, which is yeah. really cool. I think the last time I checked, I think they hit 700000 um, which is awesome, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so I'm watching all these games being speed ran, and there's like races, and it's really cool. So, like, this because it's a special event, I've been pretty much watching that as much as I can, much to the chagrin of Melissa. She finds it <laughs> annoying. Uh, so, so, when I'm alone, I tend to watch some, yeah. It's I don't know why I didn't mention that, but that's basically what I've been having on the background while I'm playing like Mario and plus rabbits. Oh, really? Um, I've been watching GDQ. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, it's so much fun to watch. Like I watched, um, uh, the, uh, uh, Yoshi, Yoshi's Island two or whatever, Super Mario world two Yoshi's Island four player race yesterday. That was so impressive. Um, they did the, uh, like the hundred percent Super Mario sunshine run last night. I decided because I haven't played that one to skip that one just so I didn't get like all the secrets spoiled for me where all the, the moons are or whatever you're collecting in that. Yeah. Um, but that looked like it would have been really cool. Um, I'm trying to remember like there were some other really awesome ones that I watched. Oh, that's Blaster Master Zero. I watched him do the speed run of that. Oh, and, and how much time? Ah, shit. What was it? I want to say like 35, less than 35 minutes. Okay. I think it was. Um, And like it just blew my mind because like the the boss took me like literally like two days to fucking beat he beat it in literally 15 seconds and i'm just like what the fuck like it just blows my mind how good and how well they know those games it's so fun to watch though it's very impressive and like the i guess main event at the end of this uh, run on like a saturday night or maybe maybe it's sunday night maybe it's sunday um they're doing a speed run on breath of the wild yeah that'd be awesome so I want to watch it, but at the same time, I haven't finished the story yet, so exactly. I won't watch it. But I think it'll probably get picked up on YouTube or something. I'll be able to watch it later on. 
Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, they they put most of them on YouTube after the fact because that's because yeah. like I've known about GDQ for years now because I used to I watched like the reruns basically on YouTube like of the speed runs. Mm-hmm. But this is the first year I'm actually watching live, um, and it's it's a lot of fun and like the it's it's grown so much. Like I don't know what year it started, but it's at least 2012. But I probably I'm sure years before that. But uh, like the um, the uh, production values are surprisingly good for mm-hmm. what looks like a group of people like younger than myself putting this shit together. Like it's, yeah, it's done it's, really professionally, really well. It, it's my third year watching and this year it seems the most polished with all their graphics. Oh, good. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting like, I, I enjoy like, this is nerdy stuff for me. I enjoy this stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, me too, like, yeah. and I can't watch all seven days for 24 hours. So I know Kotaku right. does recaps and one, there's really cool stuff. They write articles mm-hmm. about it, which I'll be able to go back and watch on my own. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's really fun. It's nerd. Like it's really nerdy. There's some guys yeah. that are really nerdy. Um, I know some, like, I think for the opening day, uh, there was like an opening sketch and I'm like, okay, this is really bad. Like, it's, yeah, it's pretty horrible. I know you're reading from a script. It's not, it's not funny, but whatever, you know, there's, it's their passion that comes through, which I can appreciate. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. So apart from that, yeah, I think I'm on episode 10 of Punisher. Uh, we're really taking our time. We haven't had any time really to hang out and just watch TV because our schedules are mm-hmm. so different. So if gotcha. you've been watching Punisher forever, and because mm-hmm. of that, I'm kind of getting out of it because it feels like it's dragging, which it really is because we're not watching TV together. Um, and apart from that, movie wise, I watched a few, I only watched three that uh, are not related to the podcast this week. Um, okay. Two of them were at work. <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, these are all on Netflix Canada, which I can only assume they're on Netflix US as well. Um, from 2016, Don't Hang Up. And it's kind of fitting with this whole Logan Paul bullshit happening on YouTube. Uh, this is about a bunch of uh, YouTubers that crank call people. And uh, one night, um, they oh, they okay. get crank called, and now the tables are turned on them. And I don't want to say anymore, but it's I I really liked yeah. it. It's nothing special, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind Good. of predictable, but mm-hmm. um, it is predictable, but it's not because you don't know what kind of paths these characters will take. So it. it on Netflix, I guess the picture they used for the, you know, to, to kind of grab you kind of sucks. It looks very generic. It's actually not bad. It's short. It's like a hundred and it's like maybe 83 minutes long. So it's a short uh, thriller, but it, it's good. Okay. I really dug that. So that's Don't Hang Up from 2016. Um, then I watched Sacrifice from 2016 as well. Uh, the reason why I picked this one is because uh, Radha Mitchell's in it. Uh, if you remember her from Selling Hill, the first film, uh, the, the blog. Yep. Um, I like her a lot. Uh, and uh, this is a crime mystery. I wouldn't really say this is a horror film, but it's a. I guess it's a mild thriller um, based on an island in Scotland about uh, ritual sacrifices and the fertility and whatnot. Um, doctor sees something that she shouldn't have seen or she she realizes... Okay, so what happens is that uh, Radha goes to Scotland with her husband. That's where he's from. Uh, I believe somebody's dog got killed. Was it a dog? Was it a... Anyways, an animal gets killed. 
she goes to <laughs> she goes to uh to dig it up or dig it up to bury it in the <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm actually quite tired. I think this cold, is, cold is making me loopy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes to bury the animal in uh, in the backyard, uh, but uses like a fucking uh, like a like a like a backhoe. And did she use a backhoe? I fuck. I don't know. Anyways, long story short, she finds human remains. Okay. And, uh, it just starts a whole mystery thing. It's not that good. Obviously, if I can really remember much of the one watched a few days ago, it's not that good. Uh, so, yeah, Sacrifice 2016. Uh, to me, it's a pass. It's okay. Not, it's not bad. It's not great. Obviously, it's forgettable. So, forget I mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> last one I watched uh, is called Blackway from 2015. Um, okay. Now, I, the reason why I had this on my uh, to watch list is because I saw the trailer at the Mayfair Theater, uh, well, probably like a year ago, and uh, I never got a chance to go to the screening. So this one feels very Canadian, uh, but it's American. It's uh, in the Pacific Northwest. A girl, Julia Stiles, moves back home after her mom dies, gets harassed by this guy called Blackway, who apparently is the big, bad, corrupt, uh, like, He's he's the he's a bad guy, you know. He's into drugs. He's a drug dealer. He does prostitution. Like he's he's the big bad, right, of the region. And uh, he doesn't stop harassing her. So she goes to the cops. Cops like, ah, I can't help you, but go to the logging uh, uh, logging camp. Ask for so and so. He'll help you out. Uh, So she goes to the logging camp, and uh, the guy that she wants isn't there. And she just wants to, you know, get help to talk to Blackway to have her have him leave her alone. So Anthony mm-hmm. Hopkins uh, offers to help out, and it's him and it's um, Alexander Ludwig who plays Nate. So all three of them are now trying to find Blackway. So the film pretty much is within a twenty-four hour span of them trying to find Blackway, uh, and they kind of cause a bit of trouble along the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually not bad. I really liked it. It's it's uh it's an indie thriller. Um, it, the director I, I got a trickle out of it. Uh, the director is uh, Daniel Alfredson. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is not oh. the retired hockey player Daniel Alfredson. That's disappointing. Uh, if it is, uh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, Blackway is played by Ray Liotta, and he's pretty much of a psycho in the film. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's pretty well cast. Um, Hal Halbrook's in it as well, which is always a treat to see on screen. Uh, I recommend this one. It's it's nothing crazy that will shake the pillars of the earth, but uh, I thought it was a nice little uh, nice little indie thriller. So that's Black cool. Way from 2015, also known as Go With Me. That's the original title for the film, as per IMDb. Um, apart from that, that is all for me. I've had uh, very little time to watch movies because of uh, GDQ. Yeah, very good. Yep, I'm in the same boat so excellent well perfect and just kind of a um addition to last week's episode uh when we were talking about our goals for the year um i decided that i wanted to add one more to mine and it was something that you did uh last year in a way um and i want to watch at least one television series each month because there are so many that i have just not spent time with like it's like it's naming some off the top of my head. Stranger Things season two, Breaking Bad, 
Game of Thrones, uh, like just the list goes on and on, you know, of all these amazing TV shows that I hear about that I've not watched. And so I'm going to try to remedy some of that this year. So I want to watch at least one season of a television series each month. And so I'm adding that one to my 2018 media goals. So. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, I'm not adding anything to media goals, which is kind of nice. And that's right. the reason why I only watch three movies on my days off because I have mm-hmm. I have no deadline. Like I I, fin- right, exactly. I finished posting my Alpha Desert Alpha Challenge post, so that's done. I'm gonna take a nice little sip of water, take some time off, then I'll start on my 52 uh, reviews from uh, Kino Lorber. But honestly, I'm not sweating it because. After last year, this year it's a breeze. You know what? Absolutely. But yeah, like I'm still going to do the same. Like I'm still going to watch a lot of Netflix stuff because there's so much stuff. There's one coming out called Altered States. Apparently is amazing. Um, I probably have like... Tw- it's not based on the movie Altered States, is it? Honestly, I have no idea. I don't want to know anything Altered about State. it. I just know there's really good buzz. So I'm going to check it out. Um, but mm. I might have 20 shows on Netflix right now, like on my list to watch. So yeah, I'm gonna take them as they come. You know, I'm gonna do well, like when I when I when I right. go on my trip, I'm gonna load up my uh, my tablet with a whole bunch of stuff so that I'm I'm covered. You know, mm. but uh, yeah, yeah, no no pressure, no deadline this time. All I gotta do is 52 reviews exactly. in 365 days. Lots of time, plenty, plenty of time, plenty of time. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So, did you find a couple more films for your uh, personal cinefessions list? Of course, I did. I was ready. I was ready before we started. Fantastic. Good. So with that said, before we move over to the review, let's update for 2018 our personal Cinefessions list. Now, if you're a new listener to the show, you might not know exactly what this is, but this is something that um, Ash, Chris, and myself did back on episode three of the Cinefessions podcast. And it's really what the heart of the of the the title of our website is, you know, whatever podcast is, which is Cinefessions, um, you know, it started off as Confessions of a Cinephile. And it was basically taking a look at what we haven't seen and trying to remedy that, you know, with having really no shame behind it. You know, there's obviously big films that everyone hasn't seen. And so it's just about confronting those and just trying to uh, correct those, become better film lovers, if you will. And so when we started off, we started off with with uh, 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 12 films on our list. Then in 2017, we updated it. We only moved it to 10 films. And now we're going to pump it back to 12 films so that we have a film per month, which as we talked about last week, uh, both of ours, one of our goals is to watch one of our films off of our personal cinefessions list, each at least one each month. And so that's what we're, that's why we moved it to 12. So I have, um, a number of films that have are still on here from the original list, and so I'm going to be happy to get those off of there finally by the end of this year. Um, but Mark, how many films did you have to add to your list for 2018? Did you have to add a full 12, or were there some that were on there from your? Obviously, you you weren't the, uh, uh, on episode three, and so you created your first list last year. Yeah, I believe, I did. right? Yeah, so last year I had ten on the list. Okay, I only watched four last year from. Uh, so okay. I heard it, so I ported six over. Um, so the ones I watched last year, if I remember correctly, was Rear Window, uh, Night of the Hunter, Susan um, Kane, and The Road. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so so those were taken off, and uh, I've added four more, and then an extra two more for the 12 for this yeah. year. Yeah, 
So from my original list, the ones that I've knocked off since then have been Rosemary's Baby, Die Hard, Suspiria, Vertigo, 12 Angry Men, and Godzilla. And if you'll remember, 12 Angry Men was, of course, my number two film discovery of 2017. So those are the six that I've knocked off up to this point. And so uh, the ones on my original list, I'm going to just go through those real quick. I have Annie Hall, A Clockwork Orange, Hoop Dreams, Raging Bowl, Sunset Boulevard, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. So those are the six that are remaining from my original list. And then um, back in January of 2017, I added Phantasm to my list from 1979. And then it looks like in May, I kind of did an update on it um, where I added King Kong from 1933, 1976's The Omen, and 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Lost Ark? Last Ark. Lost Ark? A Lost Ark. Lost Ark. Lost Ark. Um, and so that's where I stand now. And so basically for January 2018, I made two additions. Um, so let's let's start. Let's get one of yours. What was one of the first or what are the original six you have on your list right now? Okay. So original six I've got from last year is The Godfather Part 2 from 1974, uh, Streets of Fire from 1984. To Live and Die in L.A. from 1985. Roadhouse from 1989. Roadhouse. I, I know. Everybody's like, you have never seen Roadhouse. I haven't like, either. No, I've, I have not either. I've never seen Well, don't tell anybody because you'll get a lot of flack for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Coogan's Bluff from 1968. And Marathon Man from 1976. Okay. Very good list. Very good list. I've not seen, I don't think, many of those, if any. But yeah. Yeah. Now, I would have watched those last year if I didn't have a stupid challenge. Yeah, I'll be honest. Exactly, like, yeah. I, I would have cleaned this list off pretty quickly mm-hmm. last year. Uh, this year, I'll probably do the one a month. Yeah. Or I might take care of all of them right away. I don't know. Right. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Excellent. So what are name? So I have two. So name three of your new ones. Okay. Well, honestly, I'm kind of racking my brain on which ones to add. Yeah. So what I did is I went on IMDb and I went to the top 250. Oh, okay. And I started picking films that um, I hadn't seen before that were ranked pretty high. Gotcha. Um, so, um, funny enough, uh, the first one I'm adding to my list is 12 Angry Men from 1957. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly from 1966. Another great one. Yes. And City of God from 2002. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've not seen that one either. I've heard mm-hmm. really good things about it. So, very good. Yeah. Um, so. One of the of the two I'm adding um, for January 2018 here for right now is 2002's Irreversible, which I know yeah, I knew I'd get a reaction from you. So I you know yeah. I love like that whatever the French extremity or whatever the hell they call though that genre French new wave French, French, new, French new wave uh, extreme yeah. French extreme wave because French new wave is Godard and um, from the uh, 60s and 70s, but. The French well, extreme new, wave. New wave of horror, yeah. Right, yes, new wave of horror. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Um, and I, I love those. I love a lot of those films. But for whatever reason, Irreversible is just one that I haven't seen. And you and I have talked about it in the past. Um, and yeah. actually how I found this one, uh, you went to IMDb's Top 250. I went to my letterboxed watch list and went down to the very bottom to see someone that I've had on there for a long time. 
And this is one of like the first few that were on there. So it's one I've been wanting to see for a long time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I figure this is, that would be a great one to add. And then I knew you, that it would be a good one to talk to you about once I do finish it. So, Yeah, I've only watched the one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I might not be able to talk about the minute or uh, the minute, like the smaller things. Yeah. But I can still talk about the broad strokes of the film. And right, right. It's, it's, yeah, it's quite the film. Excellent. It's, it's not the easiest of watches, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's, it's beautifully cast. You know, Monica Bellucci and Vincent Castell, I like them both. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm curious on your, on your thoughts once you've seen it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I'll just, I'll go through my other one here. So sure. this one, it's probably going to sound so silly to a lot of people, but it is uh, one that I have been have had it on my watch list or my wanting to watch list for just I can't even remember how long. Um, it is 2003's The Room. Now, obviously, this is so well known because it's you know considered one of the the best bad movies ever, um, and obviously it's getting a lot of attention right now because they just had the um, the film released about the making of the movie. Disaster artist, yeah. Yes, disaster artist. And I was going through my books up in my in my boxes upstairs looking for something in particular. And I came across the fact that I own two books on the room that I've bought over the years and I've never watched the movie. And so I'm like, fuck, like I need to watch this. Like I own I think the book is also entitled The Disaster Artist. I own that one and then I own I don't remember what the other one's called, but it's uh another one based on like the making of the film. And so I really need to watch this. Like, I just, I don't know why I haven't watched it. So it definitely stands out from the other films on my list because it is uh, not, you know, considered a classic, but uh, definitely one I really want to see. And so I'm, I'm happy to have it on my list. So have you seen The Room? No. And the okay. Mayfair Theater uh, plays it once a month. Really? I think it, yeah. And I still have no desire whatsoever to watch it. Like, I like yeah. trashy cinema. I like bad, it's, you know, like bad movies, like B movies, directed video. Like, some people might hate these films, but I still, I love them, you know? Mm-hmm. And this one, I have got no desire whatsoever to yeah. see it. Eventually, I will. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm not excited. Like, I just, it does nothing for me whatsoever. Like mm-hmm. that, like Samurai Cop is is funny because it's so bad it's good. Samurai Cop Two is horrible because it's crowdfunded and it's made to be so bad it's good. The so bad it's good films is when it's shot to be serious, but it's just so bad it's actually really good. And I but think when you're- from everything I know of the room, this was like whoever, I, whoever uh, Tommy was so like believe that this was a good film and so like i think that's i'm hoping that's what we're going to get is someone who's trying to make a good film and it just fell apart at every seam yeah the the thing is with this one because it's been so lampooned i just don't have any desire to you know yeah Uh, so you would think be up my alley but and you know maybe it will be once i see it maybe like right who knows it's good um but i've got better things to watch uh it's yeah i i just it it doesn't pique my curiosity at all. But yeah, so that's that is my twelve. So wait, I, I'll recap the twelve. So Annie Hall, Clockwork Orange, Hoop Dreams, Irreversible, King Kong, The Omen, Phantasm, Raging Bull, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Room, Sunset Boulevard, and Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. 
Well, that's my 12. So what are the remaining three that you are adding to your list for 2018? Okay. Um, so these are all films from 2014 that I've never watched. Um, okay. So Interstellar uh, with Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Whiplash. The, the oh, drumming yeah, movie. I need to see that too. Yeah. And uh, Birdman. Oh, with great. Michael Keaton. I've never, great I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about all of those. And they're actually all three that I need to see as well. So ah, okay. <laughs> very well done. So, so recap your 12 one more time for everybody. Okay. Quick recap. So we've got The Godfather Part 2, Streets of Fire, To Live and Die in LA, Roadhouse, Coogan's Bluff, Marathon Man, 12 Angry Men, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, City of God, Interstellar, Whiplash, and Birdman. Fantastic. So I've seen three, but Godfather Part 2 was so long ago, I guarantee you when I put it on, it'll be like watching it new. And so really. Yeah, I'll probably rewatch Godfather before, even though I've seen it so many times. It's well, First of all, it's a fucking great movie. Fantastic, Um, right? But just as a little refresher course, just in case, so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very and good. Plus, so I bought the the trilogy in Blu-ray and I haven't watched on Blu-ray yet. So just to watch it yeah. in high def, I'll be a treat by, uh, just by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Godfather was one of the films that I did for the uh, film class that I was um, teaching at, at West Virginia University. And uh, it was one of the films that the, the, the class really liked. And so uh, it definitely has a universal appeal, that's for sure. Totally. Because it's all, you know. 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And, uh, they liked it even, that was only like what, five years ago. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely worthy of their, uh, masterpiece status at this point. Yeah. So very good. Excellent. So that is our updated personal cinefashions list for 2018. So again, both of us are attempting to watch, uh, one of these, at least one of these a month, uh, through 2018. Obviously if we complete all 12 of them in January or February, whatever, then we'll, that's, you know, that goal is considered uh, successful. We just have to watch at least the 12 of them by the end of the year. So Yes. Fantastic. So let's move over to our review for the week now that we are just around the hour mark now. So today we are talking about Cold Prey from 2006. Not to be confused with Cold Play, the band. Boo. But... Cold prey because I fucked that up last week <laughs> as I was saying it, but and I kept when I was like saying it to myself this week I kept saying cold play for some reason. But anyway, as always, there will be spoilers for cold prey. So if you've not seen the film, definitely pause the podcast, go watch the movie, come on back and hit play. So uh, a, a word of warning though before you leave us, if you are going to plan to watch the movie. If you are purchasing this as a rental or a purchase from Amazon Instant Video and watching it digitally, it is the English dub with no original language uh, option with subtitles. So you have to watch it dubbed versus subbed. Some people might be fine with that. Others might not be. Just a word of warning. So keep that in mind. So Cold Prey has an original or had an original Norwegian theatrical release date of October 13th, 2006. And a U.S. release date of January 2007 at the Slam Dance Film Festival. Do you know where the Slam Dance Film Festival is, Mark? Um, Slam Dance. I'm going to say it's in. Oh well, Sundance is in. Uh, is in. I'm going to say Utah. Is it in Utah? Are you? Yeah, you're right. Did you just pull out of your ass? 
No, yeah, I did. That's Seriously? fantastic. Yeah, it's it's in Utah. <laughs> I, uh, in another million years, I was just being an asshole. No one ever knows where the Slam Dance Film Festival. I mean, maybe that's is, a very popular one, and I don't know. But is it, is it in Salt Lake? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I looked it up, and I forget though. Uh, I just saw uh, Utah. That's hilarious. I know. I love that you guessed it. That's so funny to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's a meth. Uh, Park City, Utah. Park City, Utah. At least that's the next one, which is actually next week, January 19th to 25th, Ooh, 2018. Maybe, Park City, Utah. Maybe, maybe they'll uh, debut Coldplay. Uh, I said it. <laughs> see? Ah, see? I told you it's hard. <laughs> maybe they'll debut Coldplay 4. Ooh, that would be fun. Maybe. Maybe. Wouldn't it be fun? That would be. Oh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, with that tangent out of the way. Yes. Uh, Cold Prey is directed by – I didn't look up how to say this one, but it's like Roar uh, Dog. Oh, I, I know how. Okay. I know how. Uh, my friend El Goro from the Talk With The Rhythm podcast uh, told me it's pronounced Ruarg Uthog. All right. So you every know, time it, you need to say it then because there's no way I can say that. Ruar. Yeah. I, that's that's not a sound I can make. Like, I can't even do that. Ruar. Yeah. Yes. It Hopefully we have to pronounce it many times. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying roar. Oh, <laughs> it's written by Thomas Moldestad, Martin Sunland, and the director. That's your cue, Mark. Who are Uthog? And it's Thomas Moldestad, Martin Sundland. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. It has an IMDb score of 6.3. Out of the 14,965 current votes, no Metacritic score, no Tomato Meter score, but an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 55%. It currently has a 3.08 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd based on 1,211 ratings. I could find nothing for the budget information on the film, but it did have a $3.72 million gross, and it clocks in at 97 minutes in length. So, Mark, what is your history with Cold Prey? Um, first time watching it for the podcast. It's been on my list to watch for a long time now. Um, I'm especially excited for next week because I heard that the sequel is even better than the first one. Uh, but I've been holding my breath waiting for this arc to come across. So, yeah, first time watch last week. Awesome. Yep, and I am in the exact same boat. So, I... Didn't I'm I'm trying to cut back on spending. Like I didn't want to purchase um all the like the these all on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever because it was pretty they weren't cheap um yeah, to find yeah. them and so I was well, like oh well this is available you know I I don't have to I can I can buy this legitimately I can rent it legitimately through through Amazon or Vudu and so I was like okay well let's get it through Amazon well the good news was I had a, I had a credit apparently for a rental on Amazon and so I, I didn't pay anything for it which was nice okay um, but the bad news is it's only available in SD on Vudu or Amazon so standard definition but the th- the really bad thing was and I already mentioned it that it was the only option was to watch it subtitle uh, dubbed, dubbed in English language yeah which I sucks I'm not a fan of that like I, I hate ADR work when it's obvious because i find it super distracting and this is very obvious because obviously the lips aren't moving with the voice and the th- really thing the thing that killed me was uh the main actress um ingrid uh ingrid Berdal, uh playing janik she was voiced by this american girl that sounded like she could have been sarah michelle geller like no offense to sarah michelle geller i think she's financial and everything but 
and I don't think she's a ditz, but it sounded like she was like a ditzy blonde. Okay. And that's not who this person comes off as in the movie at all. And so that was distracting. And so I was very disappointed with that. I don't know about voodoo because I looked at voodoo and it said that the language, the audio language was English. So my guess is that it might be the same thing, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Well, and that's the too good- bad. That's what happens when you get Alberto Del Rio to do all the voiceover work. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know that ADR. Yeah. Exactly. I got you. I got uh, you. I got it. In. Oh man, uh, fantastic. Um, but the good news is, uh, Cold Prey Two is available on Vudu in high definition. So if nothing else, it'll be in HD. I don't yeah. know what language it's going to be in, so we'll see. Yeah, I guess the DVDs are out of print. I have an old Anchor yeah. Bay DVD that I was able to buy off Amazon Marketplace, and uh, so I watch it in its original Norwegian language uh, with yeah. subtitles. And the only thing the subtitles didn't catch is when they're reading newspapers. They there was no translation. Uh, to the Norwegian that was on print. Um, but I could easily assume what it was about, but that was the only right. thing that I wasn't able to really get uh, watching this film. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. When they put the play, there was no subtitles at all. So I was in the same boat. I didn't get to read any of the ah, newspapers either. Gotcha. So. Okay. Well, that's too bad. Yep. But whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you get for trying to save a few bucks. Yeah. So jumping into the film now. So I thought that was so the introduction, we see this this boy kind of running from somebody or something, and the 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 kill on the boy is like somebody pushing snow onto him. And I was like, that that's a strange way to kill somebody, especially a kid who like you could easily overpower. Like burying them in the snow alive, I thought was it just struck me as an odd way to start. Well, the way I saw it is that he fell, like he fell down, maybe a cliffside or something. Yeah. And he got buried in an avalanche. Oh, you! Th- oh, I thought they, I thought they showed the foot pushing the snow off onto him. Uh, I don't recall that. Maybe at the, maybe we find out later on. Um, I, yeah, I know we find out at the end, but I for some reason I thought that because I, I feel like I wouldn't have. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe wrong, but I really thought we did. Maybe you're right. I just didn't write that down. Yeah. But either way, that just struck me as strange. Um, but I did like the, that's it. I thought that was a little odd, but then I liked the introduction, like over the credits. Yes. Um, letting us know about like all the missing people. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the way it was done with like the film footage, everything, it looked legit. Obviously it's not, but it, like it looked, I bought it into looked, it. And so I was kind of in, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of felt a little Texas chainsaw to me, you know, when they're going through all yeah. the newspapers and the, Whatnot. Yep. So them having like the video clips and like the the articles showing you know a lot of people in the region just go missing. I thought that was a kind of mm-hmm. cool way to one bring the film from that uh, time point to current time. Yeah, and the fact that now there's a bit of a lore around the area. Yeah, it was a smart, quick, easy way to kind of set that up, but it, it was very effective. I thought so. It was good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just excuse my, I have some notes here just about the dubbing. Uh, so the dubbing with these characters, um, at the beginning, obviously I thought was kind of the worst, but then I kind of fell into it and it didn't bother me as much, but I think, you know, we have this basic setup, this basic slasher foam setup. We get these college age kids heading out for a trip somewhere. This time it happens to be in the mountains. They're going snowboarding. 
Um, it just, it felt very standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get to figure out who's fucking who, who's the fifth wheel, what's going on with these relationships. Yeah. Um, but like the dubbing was just like a lot of laughing and just awkward and it didn't match the characters. It's that bugged me, but I'm not going to complain about the dubbing the whole time. Cause like I said, basically after that, I kind of, it was, it was okay. Um, but that scene, it's the dubbing definitely stood out to me. Um, but that said, I didn't um, I didn't hate these characters, even with the dubbing, which I think is a, a testament to the film, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how the act- how the um, yeah acting was, per se, but yeah, yeah. the dubbing yeah, was To fine. me, uh, you know, the scene does set, you know, your, your main characters for the film, and there's really not a bad person in the bunch, at least at first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course, you know, the, the single guy is this redheaded stepchild, you know, <laughs> right. Talk about yeah, masturbating exactly. because he can't get a chick. Um, right. I thought that was pretty funny. The only weird thing I thought, and maybe it's a cultural thing. I'm like, if, if, yeah. you know, if there's three people in the back seat, I'm not going to make up with a girl while there's another guy beside me. I, I, I just found it kind of weird. Uh, maybe oh. it's just me being old now. I don't know. Uh, it, yeah you are but, old i mean like i i mean i wouldn't do it but like i feel like i've seen that in movies at least yeah. not in real life but i feel like i've seen that last time I, did, I guess it didn't even stand out to me as something strange like, like, like to me if like if you're a horned out teen sure because yeah. it's all hormones but these these right. characters seemed older like, you know like yeah i feel like they're out of college actually i feel like they're probably like recently finished college or something that's kind of the age i felt well, i felt like either in college or recently graduated you yeah. know um so to me it was just kind of weird and maybe they're on spring break so now they got time to let loose and that's why they're making out with each other uh, maybe whatever maybe. Yeah. i'm not gonna you know well i am judging um but i just <laughs> that's something i wouldn't have done unless i did yeah. i just don't remember it's been there's been a lot of girls right so. <laughs> exactly yeah. there's, been, there's been so many so women I can't many chicks so many. <laughs> oh man yeah um even though I was watching it in standard definition, I really liked, I, I definitely appreciated like the cinematography on the mountains. Mm-hmm. I thought that looked really, really, I thought it was just really well shot, really professionally done. Oh yeah. And like they all sh- like, so the DVD I have didn't have any commentary, but had a lot of special features and they, they oh, okay. shot a location there and like they stayed in that uh, hotel. So uh, I'm not sure how, awesome. exactly how long the shoot was, but you know, you shot during the day or whenever you needed to. At night, we yeah. all have supper together, and then you know we all go to bed in the same place. Like they lived at that location for the duration of the shoot. I love that because it just brings a sense of um, uh, legitimacy to it that you can't you can't replicate. You cannot replicate that sense of you know legitimacy that that brings. Yeah, I love from that. what I could tell from this, from what I saw from behind the scenes, everybody seemed to be having a great time filming this. Like. What's not to enjoy, you know, yeah. you're in the wilderness, the mountains are behind you. Like it's a beautiful location. Right. Yeah. Um, how, how did Janique sound like, what was her voice like? Cause I, what I picture, I see like, um, Ripley, uh, Sigourney Weaver. Sure. Uh, that's who I picture. And like that lower, not deep necessarily, but like a deeper voice, I guess. Um, what did she sound like? Uh, the actual actress. It's funny you mentioned Sigourney Weaver because she kind of has that that feel in the film because she's a bit, she's a bit yeah. of a you know, do-it-all, you know? Um, yep. she, she sounded fine to me. She sounded – she honestly, she sounded like she looks. Um, not not okay. airheaded at all. Um, you know? Yeah. And again, airhead. 
uh well the character isn't to begin with so having like a buffy style character that kind of sucks um but uh she 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 sounded fine um i really she sounded like she's in her mid-20s and she sounded educated and uh that's that's what I that's that's what I was picturing when I see her and the dubbing didn't go with it so I just I just wanted to make sure that like my my image yeah, of it was because she's not an airhead at all and like the character like obviously right. we don't know at least I couldn't tell in the subtitles what she is mm-hmm. but able to, like she must be in the medical field somehow either a nurse or maybe she's you know maybe it's spring break and she's um and she's you know in the, in the medical school because she's able to set, you know, bones See, and stuff like like she knew what to do. She never really panicked until you know somebody's after was, you with a with a pickaxe. You know, right? And that was uh, one of my questions. Was I thought maybe I just missed it? Like, like did they do any? And that's what I wrote down. Like, did they do anything to establish how she knows how to do all this? Like, did I miss them calling her a doctor or a you know a no. med student? Like, how does she know all this? Because she takes over. Yeah, like all, all I know is with the, you know, with the uh, uh, titles running, you've got the whole, you know, this has happened. A lot of people are missing during, you know, th- from this area since so-and-so time. And it talks about how yeah. in March, one in four uh, Norwegians go skiing. So something tells me it is spring break and they might be med school students. You know, like, so I don't think they've graduated from like university. They're, they're probably all in the mm-hmm. same boat. They're probably all like, you know, fellow students and, uh, but there's no mention of her going to med school, but obviously she's got the training. She's able, she's not squeamish and she knows what to do to clean the wound. And, uh, you know, um, she uses super glue and like, which we'll get to obviously. Right. But, uh, she's, she's got the knowledge. She is not, uh, your run of the mill final girl. Mm -hmm. I thought the, um, the acting from, uh, Morton when he broke his leg was very convincing. Like I, I just, I just believed the actor at that moment. I thought he did a really good job. Oh, with sure. And there's always something worse about having a broken leg, but when the bone breaks the skin, yeah. <laughs> like it's right, like always a exactly. hundred times worse. And right. I'm not a squeamish guy, but that, that creeps me out. You shouldn't have to mm-hmm. see the inside of a bone, you know? <laughs> so right. Then, like when they're setting it, my body had like was covered in goose pimples. Just the idea yeah. of having that happen to me, you know? Yeah. Right. It's just oh it just puts my body into a like I'm I'm just I seize up when I see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um I loved the shot of the reveal of the buildings. Um and it just so the camera slowly pans upward, revealing like in the distance these buildings, and it this then like some piano music starts playing, giving this creepy feeling. Like it just made me think, okay, this is where we're going to be spending a lot of time. And I didn't know that at that point, but I wrote that down. I'm guessing that we're going to spend some time here. And of course, that's where the film takes place. Um, and I just thought that was a very good introduction of it. It almost reminds me of like something like The Shining, where the first time we see the building, it establishes this this building as one of the characters and i think and i think i say this much later on but i feel like the almost the set or the the hotel that they're at the resort that they're at is more of a character than even the killer uh well i i think the comparison to the overlook hotel is a really good one 
Um, I didn't even think of that, but now that you've mentioned it, it does make a lot of sense. The, the hotel itself feels almost like a temp capsule. Um, it also reminded me a lot mm-hmm. of um, the hideout in Wolf Creek. You know, especially oh, yeah. when they go searching and they find all yeah. different gear and whatnot. It had to feel to me. It, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I find this film because this was filmed in 2006, I believe. Um, it Not that it took from other films, but I guess movies I've seen since maybe took from this film where the, the uh, Cold Prey felt a lot like a patchwork of other movies I've seen, other horror movies. And yeah. they take the, the bits pieces and they, that's how they formulated their film. Because mm-hmm. it, it does feel, it does feel like um, like Wolf Creek. It does feel like The Shining with the with the hotel. It also yeah. has a bit of a claustrophobic feel, like in the thing. Obviously, my mine is the extraterrestrials. You know, Dude, um, yeah. Like I, <laughs> I love that you said the thing because I just kept thinking the thing the whole time. And it honestly, it's probably just because it was in a snowy setting, seclusion, and it was. Yeah, seclusion in the Norwegian, like, you know, obviously at the beginning of the thing, oh, it's sure. Norwegian, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, like, there's definitely a lot of things that tie it there. Yeah. And I that was one of my jumping ahead. That was one of my complaints was that I feel like they they could have set things up to kind of use what the thing taught us more and make it more of a paranoia, uh, give, give the film more paranoia to the characters than they do. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll kind of touch on that more as we go along. But definitely, I, I love the comparison to the thing because I absolutely felt that as well. Yeah, I'm surprised by the lack of paranoia, especially um, after the first yeah. kill, which we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll touch we'll touch on that again. I know. I'm excited yeah. to talk about that because yeah, that, I'm with you 100. percent But yeah. yeah, we'll come back. So um, yeah, so I, you already mentioned it, but you know, obviously she she go they go in they find this place they set the leg. And the super gluing of like the wound back together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gruesome. I've seen that in like a number of movies. I like, is that a legitimate thing? Like yeah. you could do? That's a, like, that's a legit thing that some people do. That's crazy, yeah. man. I, I, I can't even imagine. I know some wrestlers that, you know, when they do these Ooh. death matches, which yeah. I'm not a fan of, but you know, they'll get sliced open by like barbed wire right. and stuff. And instead of getting stitches, they'll just super glue the wounds closed. Wow. And like it heals? It heals, yeah. Or is that just temporary until they get stitches? Uh, best of my knowledge, that's like instead of instead of like wow. stitches, you glue it sh- you glue it shut. That's fucking nuts. But I'd be afraid now, if there's of any me, doctors listening, yeah. we'd love to be corrected if we're wrong, call, but that's fascinating. Call the hotline, set us straight. Yes. Exactly. Oh man. Um Yeah, so and then we get another really cool shot that I liked, uh the shot of the broken glass. And that, so they're kind of wandering the halls. It's the three of them. Um, the virgin blonde. Yes, Ingun. Oh. In, in, in she, Gun, yeah. She and, was so cute. Yeah. Oh. And uh, Mikel and Eric, I believe. Yeah, those three were walking around. So the shot is on the ground. You see the broken glass. Then it pans up and we see the um, outline of the axe missing from its resting place. Very mm-hmm. ominous. Very well done. Another just really smart shot. And you could tell that the axe had been there for a long time because of its silhouette that's kind of singed into the yep. into the wall. Yep, that outline. I love that. That's so cool. Uh, and they, they set up pretty early on that Morton has a thing for for Janik, oh, yeah. um, making up a story about like you know how he threw up on this classmate's laptop and blah blah blah, just flirting with her um, in a weird way. But and it's interesting because like it exists, but like 
who cares? Like they, they don't do anything with it. It doesn't really matter. But like they bring it up again later on when he's like, hey, you know, he's about to die or whatever. And he's like, I, I want you to know. And she's like, I know or whatever. But like, I, uh, yeah, it's there. But for what reason, I guess? Maybe just to add some depth. That's fine. That's fine. There really was no need for that because it's not like yeah. he was like trying to get her away from Eric. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's just like it was like a puppy dog like crush. Um, something tells me they have a longer history together. Maybe they were more like childhood friends or whatever. Yeah, because that, because there's one that point makes sense where, with the, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. There's one point when you know he's on painkillers, he's hammered, he's going for a piss, and he's yep. being held up by Yaniki and Eric, and he keeps making the jokes. Hey, look at my dick. Look at my dick. And like, I don't want to look at you. Yeah. Very funny scene right. because he's hammered. Mm-hmm. It's all in good fun, you know? But at the same time, yeah. like, again, it shows like he really likes her, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's not going to sabotage anything because he's not that kind of guy. Yeah. You know? See, interesting, interesting story. My best friend oh? held me up so I could go to the bathroom one time like that. And we were friends forever. So, yeah, they probably do have a history. Did, did, he, did he look though? <laughs> I have no idea. I was so drunk. I don't know. It, it was it was one of my uh, female friends, so they probably snuck a gander. I don't know, but probably. I know I would have. <laughs> uh, not much to see anyway. Uh, so let's move uh, on. You're just <laughs> saying that <laughs> as it peeks from the bottom right. of your pant cuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! But yeah, so I mean that definitely would imply that there is a, a history there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they were they were so cool with it. Like it was just funny for them. So I mean, yeah, it definitely implies a, a longer you know history of friendship. So that's a good good observation. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I thought was really surprising was, and I think this kind of goes back to this, not necessarily paranoia, but kind of just uh, maybe a missed thing, missed opportunity was the surprisingly low number of people in this film. And then obviously it's a slasher. We've seen millions of slashers. So what my mind thinks automatically Mm -hmm. is there is a low amount of possible victims. And with only five people, you have to have at least one person that's, you know, going to be the final, final girl or final person. And then you have to have probably somebody with them. You know what I mean? Like, so that's like only three people that are really quote unquote fodder. Um, and I think that manifests itself by the fact that we don't get a kill, excluding that opening thing. Yeah. We don't get a real kill until 43 minutes and some change into the well, film. I, I noted that yeah, well, in my notes that like our, our killer, he doesn't show up until 40, 40 minutes and 13 seconds or 41 minutes, 41 minutes. Yeah. Um, so like yep. that's half the film right there. So the first mm-hmm. half of the movie is just character building. So that you kind of right. care about these characters when some of them get slaughtered. Yeah. But yeah, for, for and, a slasher film, it's it's more uh it's more about the chase than the actual kills in this one. Because even even yeah. the kills are not that exciting. Yep. No, exactly right. Yeah, and that's yeah, you're absolutely right. Um yeah, I think we'll we'll get to that as we get to our first yeah. one here. But um Oh, that one <laughs> it's like, oh Mikel. Uh, is an asshole. Yes. I really thought he saw something in the bathroom, so they go into that room. Um, but he's just like trying to scare her or whatever, and it got me because I was like, "Oh, what's gonna happen?" But um, I so then they come up with this like horrible story of what happened to this guy in the burned room, and then they just proceed to start making out in the room. I'm like, "That's fucking weird." 
you're talking it, it's, <laughs> like about how it's it, weird earlier. I think it's, it's weird there. It's not the room I would have picked. I probably mm-hmm. would have picked one mm-hmm. with a little less char. But exactly. that's just me. I don't want to be rolling carcinogens. So. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's the thing. I know. So, so now even – so okay. So even before they get to the to get to the get this hotel, the reason why yeah. they're stranded there is because they're going on a snowboarding trip on a mountain that nobody goes down. Right, so that's where they're all secluded. Right. It's not like they're going on this on the ski lodge. Um, so mm-hmm. they go down this mountain and uh, going. So they have to climb up the mountain since there's no ski lift. And we get Janiki or Yannick and Inga. And they talk about how you know how she Inga likes Mikael and Yannicky likes Eric, but they're afraid. It's a commitment issue. Because you know, mm-hmm. like, yep. what if we move move in together? Then it'll get boring. So that's why they don't want to move in. To, or she doesn't want to move in together with her with her guy. And Ingrid hasn't right. told Mikel how much she really loves him. So it kind of makes it a little mm-hmm. more heartbreaking when we come to the first kill, and we've got Mikel and Ingrid in bed together, and he's trying to get laid, and she wants none of it. And see that that bugs me a little bit because okay. the. I, the way they were built, and not the fact they didn't have sex, but the way they built the couple yeah. up, I really just thought they were like fuck buddies. You know what I mean? Like that's just what they oh. did. And then you find out that they didn't even have sex. Not only did they not have sex, but she didn't have sex. And then I was like, oh, horror tropes be damned because the virgin dies yeah. first. But that was that was strange to me, just kind of the way that that couple was built up. <sighs> I, I wasn't too perplexed by that just because – you know, like they're they're making out hot and heavy, um, mm-hmm. and she does walk around in like a tank top and 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 uh, little booty shorts and stuff, which is awesome. Yeah. But she's afraid to even tell Mikel that she loves him. Um, but I mean, and that's I think even plays more into the fact that I thought they were fuck buddies because that's kind of like that that whole friends with benefits thing. Like you can't you know, don't say you love you or whatever because then it's something more than that and blah 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 and it just. To him, what I thought was to her, well, she thought that to him it was just like a friends with benefits. I still thought, and I still thought Ingun looked a lot younger than the other characters in the film. Maybe not so much Mikael, but compared to Eric and Morton and Yannick, um, she looks like she's probably a few years younger. Um, Oh, I didn't uh, think that. Okay, uh, that's what I got out of it. At least that's what it seemed to me. And um, yeah, it just, it just, you know, when you're I can understand Mikhail in a way because when you're young and you're you know you're you're horny and you think it's going a one way and it's not frustration comes right uh, in my age yeah. now well that just doesn't happen but you know when you're young when you're young <laughs> and you're dumb and you're full of cum <laughs> like the term says you don't think with a right head oh. so him right. storming off after she doesn't put out makes mm-hmm. sense to the character. At least it makes sense to me. Um, no, one absolutely yeah. right. 100%. I just, the thing that didn't, I just didn't like, or I didn't, my complaint is not that once I find, once that's established, then yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. It was just the fact that that's, I felt like they were building up a different couple and then we find out this new thing and it's like, oh, that's not, in my head, that's not what yeah, they were building up. It, it shows as well that he doesn't know her that well because like they haven't had sex yet, but he didn't even know that she was a virgin. 
So obviously to her, she wants her right. first time to be special and not in a, you know, charred <laughs> hotel room. Uh, so right. like she doesn't think she's she doesn't think that she's wrong and I don't think she's wrong either. Uh, Eric is just in or probably Mikhail is just, you know, he's he's dumb and he's thinking with the wrong head. Um so him storming off, I understand, but him not coming back till the next day, like the next morning. So so without going to the killing yet, so he he runs off and starts drinking at the bar. Mm-hmm. Doesn't go back to talk to her like for an like an hour later, a half hour later. Doesn't go to say I'm sorry. That's what I didn't like about him. And that's why it's at this point where I don't like Mikael. Oh, I didn't like Mikael after he stormed off. But and he's now deemed the asshole of the group. And he acts that way till the bitter end. Um but like I, what I did not like is that he didn't go back to like she doesn't come out of the room at all, and he doesn't go to talk to her or to apologize or nothing. He'll make a nice breakfast in the morning, but then she's able to stew in his in that hatred for eight hours or so, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just didn't like Mikhail. But again, being young, maybe he's not. You know, he's obviously not thinking right or not thinking properly. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Am I wrong? I, I, I mean, that part didn't bother me. Like, it made sense. Like, now that it was established who these people were and what their relationship actually was, like, yeah. that just made sense to me that he just left her alone for the night um, because she thought that she was mad. At, she would, I feel like he would assume she was mad at him. And and so just kind of letting, letting things cool off between them and then trying to go catch, check her up, check up on her in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. that, so that didn't bother me. When I stopped liking him, is when he says, fuck Morton, you and I should leave Janik because he's not going to make it anyway. That's when I was like, oh, you're a piece uh, of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is very shitly. Yeah. But he's just not a nice guy. Right. But he's a young guy. He doesn't know any better. Exactly. Um, yeah. So one question, and you, this is so stupid, you might not remember, but do you remember when she, uh, when, this is before they go to the bedroom, she's offering uh, Janik a shot, I think it is, and she's like, a pink heaven or it's like a pink drink yeah did they call it a pink heaven in the subtitles or do they call it a pink pussy pink heaven okay why because they called a pink pussy in the in the edr no it was called pink heaven and then she says pink heaven you know i want heaven i'm thinking "Mm, that's probably not what the shot's actually called i feel like they've edited it or changed it uh because i know of a shot called the pink pussy and it would oh. be a lot funnier, you know, oh, you know, I want pink, you know, I want that. Well, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm just oh, curious no. if it was edited there, or There's no, there's no sexual innuendo in the drinks. Yeah. Okay. Lame. Because yeah. there should be. <laughs> because I was like, oh, that's not the name of the drink. Oh, they ruined a, ju- a good joke, but no, oh, well. I'm like, yeah, actually, actually it is. It is. <laughs> um, so, okay. I'll just get Let's get to this first kill. Yeah. Let's get to this first kill. Yeah. Um, so. Go for it. So Mikael fucks off in his in his blue balled rage, yep. and uh, and uh, Ingun's left by herself in the room, um, still in her uh, underwear and uh, camisole like tank top, and we get our first taste of our killer, which he's never named, right? So I'm not sure how we should name. Him. We'll just call him the killer. The killer, yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, he comes crashing through the window 
And uh, isn't it uh, a pickaxe to the back? That's how she dies is, is the pickaxe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she gets slashed multiple times. Like there's a lot of blood. And mm-hmm. again, uh, I thought the blood looked awesome. It looked real. It was fantastic. But she gets attacked a few times. She gets away. And and this is what I love in horror movies. And I remember seeing this in Trick or Treat and as well in I Know What You Did Last Summer is when the killer's victim is running for safety mm-hmm. and is so close to their friends, but the killer gets her right before she's able to flag them down or anything. Like, you know, like in the alley, like, you know, she's about yep. to run to- – public safety and right. she gets yanked away back into the darkness of the of the of the alleyway yeah so this is a similar thing she's unable to speak because oh, probably her lungs are filling up with blood and uh she's unable to say a word well plus two music's being played in the in the bar area exactly but she goes to you know try to get a try to get somebody's attention and lo and behold our killer comes and just yanks her in back and then and kills her and then gets dragged back down the stairs I'm like ah. Oh, so heartbreaking, but I, I just love those types of kills. <laughs> yeah, it was. I like that. I like. I like those as well. Um, the kill itself, I thought, was just very underwhelming, uh, especially since it took forty five minutes to get there. Um, and I, th- that's such a that's a problem I have with with the film in general is that we get so few kills, and like none of them are really memorable or remarkable in any way. And that's a huge disappointment. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, I find the kills are very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're not dealing with a supernatural being. Right. You know, we're not dealing with a monster. We're dealing with a guy who looks like a snow job from G.I. Joe. And uh, <laughs> I, I said snow job. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I want to make sure my accent. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, yeah, um, and that's the thing. It's just, yeah, the kills are more realistic, I guess. But uh, in guns, to me, is the most exciting, the most bloody, and it kind of goes downhill from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing I like about it is the fact that it's established that she's the virgin and then she dies. Just because that's opposite of what we know as slasher fans and i like that yeah maybe if she did have sex she'd be alive ah, chances are know. probably not though probably not right but uh it yeah so be dead yeah and so what surprises me now and this we go back to being you know being suspicious of one another is that she in gun is not heard from again uh, right Mikal is drinking at the bar mm-hmm. nobody checks on in gun at all over the course of the night and then when he drops off uh, his breakfast he made for her and uh, at, at her door and then comes back dejected because Yannicky asks him, you know, how did it go? And then Mikhail goes, well, she's not very talkative. Mm-hmm. Well, no, she's not talkative at all. Not very talkative. She didn't <laughs> right. talk. She's dead. Exactly. So e- even that, it's like, okay, in Yannicky's mind, Ingun's really pissed off at him. But mm-hmm. said something to him, at least acknowledge him because just because just because he said she's not that talkative still means that they had some conversation. Yeah, exactly. I think that was a very specific choice of dialogue, yeah. you know, for the character right there. 
unless it's a, uh, a a translation thing where maybe that's already said in Norwegian, but that's what the subtitles told me. So, and that's what they said in the the English dubbing as well, ah. which obviously they're just using the subtitles. But uh, I think that's I, I would say that that would be intentional because it, to me it felt intentional. Like it, um, Mikael didn't want to tell them that they didn't talk, like mm-hmm. you know, and he just left it at that. Yeah. And I think that is important because then it takes a long time before she goes to check on her. And I think that's important as well. So Yeah. And then they discover her body. Oh, right. Do mm-hmm. they discover her body? No. Um, so Eric, r- r- correct. Yep. Uh, actually, I think first we discover her body. Well, Eric finds Ing- Ingen outside and then the killer pops up from behind him, taking him. And then we find, um, see, okay, so this is my problem with, and I feel like, this is where the paranoia could have been played up. Mm-hmm. So the the order of things are Ingen dies. We find uh Eric finds Ingen's body. We discover uh Yannick and uh Mikael discover that someone lives in the basement, and then we discover or uh um Yannick discovers the blood in the room. And so w- the fact that they set up the discovery of the other items meaning someone else is there with them before Ingen's bloody room discovery means they lose the tension that could be there of them blaming one another or the paranoia that would go along with the fact that, oh, there's only four of us here, five of us here. One of us is the killer. Like why, why lose that for your film? Why take that away from your film on purpose? I I don't like that editing choice. But these characters don't know anything's wrong yet because like Eric goes to get help for uh, Morton's (laughs) leg they don't know that Eric was taken by the killer. They think he's on his way to the car. Um, exactly. But they know something's wrong because they went into uh, – uh, okay. They know something's wrong because one, they found that somebody's been living in the basement of the building. And two, then they find blood on the, on the, in, in uh, Ingen's room. Well, they, they go to the basement to do the – I guess put more gas in the generator. And right. then they throw all this shit and then mm-hmm. run back up and then it's blood. Um, right so they know something's wrong then yeah but at, at that time like they still think everything's cool it's not until like they notice like all these extra like ski poles and and hats and scarves then we're like well maybe we should go check out an inga and then you know this is where the shit hits the fan where they realize we are not safe because up until that point they still think they're okay no, no one you're yep you're 100 correct and that's the problem uh. if if they that's obviously that's the problem in my opinion if they um were to for instead of discovering the stuff in the basement instead of having them go to the basement to fill up the um what you whatever you just said that word the petroleum whatever oh yeah the uh, generator the gas yeah yeah the generator if instead they would have found ingen's bloody room first then there'd be something wrong and in their mind, there's only four people left because Eric's gone. There's only three people left. Eric's gone. Ingen's missing. There's Morton, Mikkel, and Janik. So one of them presumably caused this blood to appear in this room. And so then it's the paranoia of who the fuck's doing this. And then if they find that shit afterwards in the basement, then they can realize, oh, there's actually another party here that's doing this. Yeah, I can see that. Is that am I making no, it just made sense to me now. Um, like, you know, they notice all okay. the blood. Um, Eric's yeah. gone. Well, then who, where's his blood coming from? And where's Zingun? Right. Um, yep. Yeah, I could see that, but, you know. That's that's my point. That's, I thought that's like a, like, 
paranoia in film works so well as the thing teaches us. Like, why would you strip yourself of that when you have it set up perfectly? All you have to do is switch the order of the scenes. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's just, that's a different way to go at it, I suppose. A missed opportunity, a huge missed opportunity for me. And I feel like it could have made things so much different and more interesting. Yeah, I, I still but, I, I still don't think the, the route they went was a bad route. Um, again, it's the first film of a, of a series, you know, and it's a slasher. But uh, we can't all have the thing, I suppose, you know. But I, I, but I, I do, I do get your your point. Yeah, um, it's that that was one of the the major problems I had with like this section of it. I just felt like there could have been you know ten minutes of more tension created than there was. Uh, I mean, I just felt like they really blew that opportunity. You but. really wanted them to turn on each other, and that never happened. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and only because I think it would have made it more interesting, like instead of them working together the entire time, mm-hmm. if they were kind of against each other for a little bit, that would have been interesting. Well, would there been a lot of uh, tension though, because obviously everybody's going to point their fingers at Mikhail because he was the last one to see Ingun alive. And he's the one drinking mm-hmm. heavily at the bar after being, you know, refuted, uh, refuted, uh, sex. So I don't think there'd been that much tension about who done it because they're like, well, it's Mikhail. Okay. But then how do they handle that? Uh, duct tape or crazy gloom to a chair. So Yannick is going to overpower this guy? Because she's the only one that's there right now. Uh, See, this is the tension I'm talking about. I don't what? know. Who knows? Probably, but we, Mikhail probably would have fled out. somewhere in the hotel. And then it's a bit of a cat and mouse. Them looking for Mikhail, not knowing that something is actually looking for all of them. Exactly. That would have been interesting, I suppose. Interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, what what happens after this? I did like the the shot of um, Eric or the the killer popping out behind Eric once he finds Ingen's body, but the fact that it like basically just goes to a blackout when the thing hits him, I thought was shitty because we don't get any blood, any gore, anything. Which now that I think about it, I feel like that's it probably intentional because obviously we find out that he's not in fact dead later on. But still, something more could have been better there. I feel yeah, like it kind of sucks just because it does seem that it's just like an off-camera kill. So mm-hmm, it, exactly. it does bring you to a surprise when you do see him still alive later on, which it surprised me, and I kind of liked it that way. Um, yeah, because obviously, killer is smart, having you know being able to survive in the wilderness like he does. Um, right. I'm still curious because, like you know. At the end of the film, he's dumping the body, so he's not—he's not a cannibal. He's not eating the people. Um, I guess he's just living off like, old canned goods and uh, yeah. and what people leave in their in their backpacks, I suppose, like trail mix and like energy bars. I don't know. Right. What is the motivation for this killer? Is it just because they're in his space, so he kills well, them? That's something else. Um, I, I don't know for sure. Just because, well. Maybe it's hatred towards humanity for how his parents treated him. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, so, so that, should we? Okay, there's something we'll talk about in a few minutes. <laughs> okay, okay, well, we'll wait till the yeah, end to talk about that. Yeah. Um, kind of talking about the way they edited things. One thing I did like was the fact that they show us Eric getting killed because then when they board themselves up in the room, they're like, okay, we'll just board themselves up because Eric's getting the car. 
I like yeah. that because they think helps on the way and we as the audience know that they're fucked. And that just made for a, like a very depressing moment. And I like that about it. Also a little surprise that the killer stopped banging on the door because eventually with his pickaxe, he would have been able to get all three of them right away. So, and, and that didn't make sense. Like I, because that, as soon as he stops banging on the door, Mikel's like, oh, freaking out. He's walking toward the window. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, he's coming through the window now. But that never happened. So like, why Why did he stop banging on the door? Like, why did he not use his pickaxe? Like you said, like, I yeah, just didn't get that. I, I thought I'm, it was setting up for something, but it never I, did. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Then expect them to pop up from behind, you know, through the window. Right. And, and, and that's the, th- yeah. So th- that was just weird to me because that guy could have killed them all pretty, pretty easily. Absolutely. You got one guy who can't move barely. And, uh, the other two, you just got to trap and you'll be good. You know, like I, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But, um, and it's, this is another thing I thought was just strange. And I'm wondering like, is there a longer cut of this film somewhere that we haven't seen? Because I feel like there could have been just things maybe that played out more in a longer cut of this or something. And I don't know if that's something that exists or anything. I have no idea. But another thing that makes me think this is we see, um, Morton. So first off, he's walking around pretty damn well for having a leg that was like bone that was protruding through his leg the night before, his skin the night before. But he slips on this, like he drops a can of food and he slips on the can of food. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's obviously going to be something that comes into play later. But then nothing happens. They never show this can of food again or like anybody slipping on it. So I'm like, why did they set that up? That it's slippery. Like, I just don't get it. Maybe it's just for the beet juice that's on the ground that looks like blood for, you know, when they cross the kitchen again. I, I don't know. Um, even the so whole weird. thing, the whole thing in the kitchen was kind of wasted too, you know, with the whole, yeah. you know, being able to open the can. I just, you know, I guess you got to show right. him doing something because he's walking or he's hungry because everybody's, left, you know, everybody's gone. So he's yeah. trying to, you know, I guess it just shows that he's able to move around by himself. And he's not mm-hmm. as helpless because he's glued up. He's also pilled up. You know, he's got all those, uh, all those, um, oh, yeah. uh, painkillers. So that pain probably helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. I just thought it was weird. Cause like, you know, I think back to like, uh, one thing that always took my, cause it's the one we did a podcast in on my, on my old podcast when I was writing for inside pulse movies. Uh, we watched the straw dogs remake okay. and we, me and my co-host made mention of the fact that like anything that was introduced was something that was going to matter. And they, and there's one scene that shows a shotgun on a wall Mm -hmm. and that shotgun is an essential part to later in the film. And it's like, why you don't introduce something in a film if it doesn't, if it's not going to matter, if it doesn't mean anything, like, otherwise you might as well just cut it. Like if it has no meaning, why is it in my, why is it wasting my time? You know what I mean? They did do that earlier in this film when they're looking for uh, medical supplies and, uh, Yannicky finds uh, a shotgun shell. Shotgun shell. You know, yeah. so as soon as I saw him, like, okay, this is going to take part later on in the film. And obviously yep. it did. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, uh, you but know. It's just like, and it's like you said, it just feels wasted. Like with this can of food thing, it just feels like wasted time almost. It's like, ugh, yeah. I don't know, just feel like there could have been more here and that that's missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not saying even that it was filmed or that it was written, it just feels like it's missing. It, it honestly, it just seems like it's a busy scene for uh, for Morton to do something. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that equates to a waste of time. Yeah. So, um, so and then obviously we already talked about this a little bit, but you know, Mikel says, "Fuck Morton, he's doomed anyway," and tries to get Janik to leave with him. 
And then he takes off. And what's he get for his trouble? A random ass bear trap on his leg. I was like, yep, karma's a real bitch, but you deserved it, you asshole. This totally reminded <laughs> me of the Friday the 13th video game where you can set bear traps. <laughs> so yes. I, I kind of cheered there. Uh, but I he totally that. deserved what he got. But he still, he didn't die there, did he? Uh, no, because he like oh, stumbles yes. into the he, st- he stumbles in. Shed. He hides behind some ski poles. Then he tries to scurry out when the killer's there, and then he gets his like, neck snapped. Right, yeah, exactly. I deserved it. I didn't like him anymore. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing I did like on my on Mikel's kill though was the sound design. I thought that helped build the tension um, because he, you know, hides behind there, and then it just goes silent or very quiet. I think it was silent though. And then like the killer comes in and then, you know, the sound picks up again when he starts running. It just, it really helped build that tension in that scene. I like that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise just another forgettable death. Yeah, it really, it really was. It was a bloodless death. Yeah. Oh, when they, this was something I was going to ask you, when they talked to Morton or said Morton's name, did they always say Morton Tobias in the subversion? No. They would say Morton or Tobias? Yeah. Or? No, no, they have said, they did say Morton Tobias once or twice. Okay. But they just called him Morton. That's what I figured because like in the sub uh, dubbed version, I swear to God, I heard Morton once. Every other time I heard Morton Tobias, Morton Tobias. I'm like, what? You have to say his full name every time you say his name. Like, yeah, no, like it, it's so annoying. It, it was mentioned once or twice, but uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And then yeah, the I just thought it was so weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We already talked about that too, so I won't say too much about that. But just Morton, he that's when he professes his love to her without actually saying it out of nowhere. Um, I mean, like I understand, like he didn't think he'd have another chance, but it just didn't make sense in what we got of the film. Like you and I have already put together that there's probably a bigger relationship and yada yada yada. But I don't know. I just felt like the film could have showed a little bit more there than mm-hmm. we got. Not yeah. that we needed it. They could have taken it out completely, uh, would be better. But if they're going to have it, there could have been something else with oh, it. Holy shit. Did you watch Westworld, the the HBO show last year? No, I didn't. So there's a character that's got a tattooed snake on her face and going down mm-hmm. her body. That's okay. Yankee. That's Ingrid Burdell. I would not have recognized her. Oh, okay. I would not have recognized her at all. That's holy interesting. Holy shit. Yeah, that's very cool. That is very cool. Anyways. See, that's... <laughs> Speaking of TV series I need to see, that is absolutely on my list. Like, there's so many. That's why I added that to my uh, oh, my challenge this year. <laughs> and watch Westworld. It is fucking fantastic. I watched yeah. it last year on my uh, on my Android box. So I was watching mm-hmm. with, with Turkish subtitles the whole time. Uh, <laughs> God, so, yeah. yeah I, I recently just picked it up on Blu-ray. So I look forward to watching it again. Did you watch the original film? No. Okay. No, I did not. I thought it was a bit disappointing myself, but uh, I heard the the TV show. Yeah, no, no, the, the the show is fantastic. I can't wait for season two to come out. Yeah, I love the idea of it in the movie, which is why I was obsessed with seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought just thought it was kind of mediocre. Yeah. But anyway, uh, back to uh, yes, back to Cold Prayer. Um, oh yeah, so you you already mentioned the shotgun shell, but I was just like I wrote it down before it was as it was happening. I was like, oh my god, please do not flash back to her finding the shotgun shell earlier in the film because it just felt like it it, it was going to spell it out for us. And I hate when they do that. Like trust that we're paying attention as a viewer and don't don't have to like hold our hand. Like we understand what's going on here. Yeah. And I was very happy that they didn't. Just it just felt like that was going to happen. Uh, based on some other things that were going on, and I was very glad it didn't. So. But I do like how it was utilized in the film. Yeah, absolutely. You know? uh, I, I mean, I, well, 
in a way, because we they set it up in the beginning, it plays all the way to the end, and then what happens? She wastes the one fucking good shot. And it's like, really? All that for a wasted shot? Like Yeah, but but at the same time, then we see that uh that Eric is still alive and he was used as a human shield against that one shotgun shell, which I, I thought that was kinda ingenious for the killer. So the killer's obviously again smart. Um but then, you know, then we get the pickaxe to the body for Eric, and then we know for sure that he's dead. He is not coming back for the sequel. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um so and then so then we we get the end here. So, you know, one part of me likes the fact that the like the dude who breaks his leg in the opening ten minutes, so Morton is set yeah. up as the attempted hero. Yeah. But the other part of me was really disappointed that even a physically disabled man is set up to try and be the hero over the fully capable woman who has been set up to be the strongest character of this entire film up to this point. And what do they do? The writers just have her run away. Like that's not who this character was built up as. And it just made her feel weak in a moment where like, it just felt like the entire film was building up for her to be this hero. And then she just turns and runs away. I was like, oh, really? That's how they're going to do this? That's their well, choice? If anything, she's not the soldier. She's the scientist, right? She, she's she's the healer. Um, she's been everything up to this point. But you know, you know far well that, you know, Mr. One Leg uh, Morton, he is not going to kill the killer. So he gives her a chance to escape to survive, which is chivalrous. Mm-hmm. But you know for a fact that there's no way that he's going to take this guy down. So it is going to come down to a one-on-one between her and him, between her and the killer. Like not for one moment I ever expect that she'd be safe and then he would save the day. He is just he's just giving his life to her because he loves her so much, so that she has a chance to survive or get a better opportunity to kill this killer. So mm-hmm. I never thought that she was weak in any way. I thought it was just smart because he knows. He's going to slow her down. He's going to, you know, use himself as a buffer to give her more time to survive and continue on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I just felt like she, I, it, it, to me, the character wasn't someone who was just going to leave this person, it, especially, you know, as we've established that we feel like they had a longer relationship. Like she just says, fuck him and just runs away without so much as a second thought about it. Like, oh, it's I- maybe a two second thing. And she's like, okay, bye. And she just takes off like, yeah. I still don't think it was easy for her to, to leave, you know, yeah. uh, like if she had the opportunity, she would have taken him with her, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he was in hero mode and, you know, she, yeah. she's trying to preserve herself. Yeah. Um, the, okay. So the end here, and you already mentioned it. So, uh, I was trying to understand if the killer was, so initially, I thought the killer was just the father of like, because you obviously see the the dad and the mom pushing the snow onto the boy at the end. I thought it was just the father, but um, I think you've implied that it's the boy, right? Well, yeah, it is the boy because of the uh, eye tattoo or the eye okay, birthmark. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't see that on the killer. That's what I was looking for, and I didn't see it, so I don't oh, know how I missed it. Yeah, so so it. so the little boy looks like he's got like a dragon birthmark over his eye, and I thought it was a bruised eye in the beginning, like when I saw him. Oh, no, it's a but, birthmark. It's like a really okay. bad red birthmark. Gotcha. Um, which makes it more heartening is like, did the parents, because the parents actually pushed the kid and then, you know, buried the yeah. kid alive. Um, so did the parents 
kill him because of his birthmark on his face like that is there's got to be more to it which i'm hoping the sequel it'll expand on why the parents tried to kill their son um but yeah the the killer is the little boy from the beginning of the film so when she Mm -hmm. rips off his goggles you see the the exposed uh i guess eyes and you see that there's a uh red mark across his eye or i guess across his cheek up to above his eye so it is a small kid i was really hoping it'd be the mom I don't know why. Just just <laughs> throw a curveball out there, you know. Yeah. Um, pre- I see. That's the thing. Like this whole reveal, and using that term loosely, it just isn't strong because it doesn't really matter in a slasher film like this. Yeah. Like this is not a whodunit slasher film, you know. Which I no. actually I like those tend to like those better. Sure. Um, it, but those like, work better with a bigger cast, though. Like Happy Birthday to me, right? You know, you need a yeah. huge ensemble for that to happen. No, absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And like, I might even argue that it might have been, would it have been stronger to not even reveal who the killer is? Like, just make it this random person because it meant so little to me that, well, like, I thought it was, I, I, so I wrote down making it the father and then the next sentence was, or maybe it was the boy who was the killer. Like, I, I just didn't catch the birthmark on the end. But like, I just, I know nothing. I know literally nothing about the boy, the father, the mother, like, and it just felt like an easy way to tie the beginning of the film in with the end of the film, but I didn't give a shit. So it's like, who, ah, who cares? Like maybe it, like, would it have been better if it was never, if it was just a random killer? I don't, probably not, but I don't know. Yeah, that, that I just felt weak. That's the thing. Since we have no backstory whatsoever on why the parents did yeah. what they did, um, yeah. when she reveals him, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's the kid from the beginning, but I still don't mm-hmm. care, you know? Right, um, exactly. So I'm assuming he slaughtered his parents and then he took over. He just stayed at the resort there. I, I I don't know. Hopefully there's more in the next film, but I was neither surprised nor, you know, like it was expected to me. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a Shyamalan yeah, I mean, twist, you know? Obviously it's not one of these five people because we've seen them. Like how, how would they have possibly made it be one of these five people? And so it's like, well, it's either going to be a random person or it's going to be one of those people from the beginning of the film. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not surprising. Exactly. Like you already said, I'm just saying it longer for some reason, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. So anything else that you want to talk about, about Cold Prey? Um, well, the ending, you know, so again, uh, so the killer doesn't use the bodies. He disposes of them in this like ice ravine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the end of the film he falls in a ravine. She survives game over. Um, I yeah. guess he storyboarded a more epic struggle ending where he's got a hold of her and then he finally falls down. Um, but budget issues couldn't uh, give them the ending they wanted. So there's an alternate ending oh, on a DVD okay. that storyboarded. Didn't really add that oh. much more. Um, apart from that, I didn't like really look up any trivia or anything for the, for the film. Um, I just yeah. watched a few special features, but uh I guess my final thoughts, you want to go straight to that? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with Cold Prey. I thought the, actually, I thought the first 45 minutes were really good because you build a link with these people. I just thought the killer was kind of boring. Uh, the deaths, apart from in guns, was, were pretty boring. Um, I do like Yannicky as a character. I like strong, uh, female, final girls in these horror movies and she's more than just a final girl she's not, she's no laurie strode that's a babysitter like she's smart she's intelligent 
Uh, that means the same thing. Um, I, I just, I liked her a lot and I'm glad she survived. I'm looking forward to seeing her more in part two. Um, but as a whole, I thought it was just a, it was just a run of the mill slasher film in an exotic setting for me, which mm-hmm. really isn't that exotic because I live, you know, where it snows a lot too. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. So not that exotic, but I just, you know, um, I, I've seen it before. It, it wasn't a bad film. It wasn't a great film. It's just like middle of the line to me. Uh, so I guess my star rating, I'll give it uh, two out of four stars. Perfect. So two stars from Mark. Yeah. So Cold Prey, it has a lot going for it. But as much as I wanted to love it, it just it never went from good to great. I feel like the director could have created a lot more tension if they've arranged some scenes differently or or you know, even just having better, more memorable death scenes wouldn't have hurt it either. Uh, with so few characters in the film, there isn't a ton of room for a high body count, which means that the money should be spent in the few kills we do get. Unfortunately, that just wasn't the case here. And without it, I'm just left a bit underwhelmed. The first kill takes 45 minutes to happen, as we mentioned. And then we wait another 15 minutes or so after that for the action to really kick up. So it's much slower than most slasher films, which actually wasn't a bad thing. I like the characters more here than I do in most slasher films, even with the, the bad English dub job that I was forced to watch through Amazon video. I'm not sure how they're going to continue the series, seeing as the killer was so point faceless, pointless, um, unlike most slasher film series where the main star is actually the killer. But I love the cold, isolated mountain setting for the film. So I hope we get something similar in the next one as the setting acted, as I mentioned right from the beginning, more as a main character than the actual killer did. Um, I thought it was well acted, had a a really cool premise, and I was definitely entertained, but there was just something missing from it that kept it from being great. So I'm giving Cold Prey two and a half out of four stars. Hmm. And so we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. I I think it it can only go up. I think so. I hope so. Yeah, I've I've got high hopes for the next one. Right, absolutely. All right, so let's move over to round 48 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. So this, of course, we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. As a reminder for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collections or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film the other hasn't watched yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast where they then give a quick review of that movie. So, as a reminder, Mark, you chose 1974's Angel on Fire for yeah. me to watch. Yeah. And I chose uh, initially Class of Nukem High, but we talked about it. We, you thought you already saw that one, so we moved it to Class of Nukem High 2. Yes. From 1989, maybe? 1990? Somewhere in there. 1991. 91. That's the year. Perfect. So, I'll, I'll kind of jump on board here with Angel on Fire, if you don't mind. Yeah. So... There was a while there where I was buying uh, a ton of different releases from Vinegar Syndrome that I normally wouldn't. But I was curious if I'd like these types of films that uh, like Vincent was no- was so known for. So instead of buying one release and trying it out like a mature adult, instead I bought any and everything that sounded halfway interesting. And so now I own a boatload of these like mid-70s and 80s porno flicks from Vinegar Syndrome. and. That's exactly the category that Angel on Fire fits into. 
Um, this release actually it comes on a DVD that houses two pornographic films, both from director Roberta Finley, which is a female director, interestingly enough. Um, the other film on the set is called The Altar of Lust, for those interested. But um, it's a lot of the a lot more of the same as we get with Angel on Fire. <laughs> Um, but so as for the plot, uh, it's surprisingly exactly what the back of the back of the box states states. Steven is a, he's a chauvinistic prick basically. Um, and when he finds out that one of the girls he's having sex with is pregnant, he throws her out of the apartment and he dumps her from there. The angel, specifically angel number nine, it, which it also is the way you can find this film. If you look it up on IMDb, um, but so apparently it's an alternate title. But anyway, uh, Angel Number Nine. Uh, they decide that they're going to kill him and give him their form of punishment. So the aforementioned Angel Number Nine comes down from heaven, gives some guy driving a van roadhead until he eventually runs down and kills Stephen because he's not watching the road. Like I swear to God, that's what fucking happens. And then Stephen goes to heaven, where Angel Number Nine tells him that as a punishment for his actions on Earth, he's going to become Stephanie. And is forced to uh, find someone that will treat him as a woman the way he used to treat women. And then once Steven does that, then he'd be able to spend like the rest of eternity in heaven or whatever. Like this whole thing is beyond ridiculous. But you have to admire the inspir- or the imagination used for this, seeing as it is nothing more than a porno film. Like it's a great example of, you know, that that good old saying, they sure don't make them like they used to. Um but frankly, I, I don't see a market for this type of thing anymore now that the internet is virtually everywhere. Um, but either way, this time capsule of the early 1970s, I don't, I didn't really find it worth my time at all. It's it's horribly acted. The script is laughable. And even with this simple and dumb plot, and this is so stupid for me to say about a porn film, but there are glaring plot holes that just don't make any sense. <laughs> um, yeah. I know I, I said it. I shouldn't have, but I did because it's ridiculous. Why did Why did the killer do this when you could have gotten uh, a head from this other person over there? Like, it's so stupid, and it's like it's the most blatant, obvious things that like I would never complain about that when I'm watching a movie like this. But it's like it's so obvious. Like, why not just change one line of dialogue to make it not so stupid? But whatever. Um, you get a ton of you get a ton of hairy seventies men and women. If that's your thing, then you might enjoy this. Oh, but it just yeah. didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was bored watching it, and I couldn't help but wish I was watching uh, the other porn that we talked about for this segment sometime last year, I believe. Uh, Trashy lady, remember yes, that? Yes, I do. I gave that to you when I watched it. That was a genuinely good, like pornographic film um, that was entertaining. But this one, it just felt flat. Um, and as I was kind of writing up my thoughts on this one, I put on the other disc um, uh, that was with Angel on Fire. And its first sex scene is like a – I thought it was a stepfather, but then I was listening more and I think it was just her father like raping the main character. So I was like, yep, fast forwarding through that shit because that was not my cup of tea. <laughs> um, and so once I got past that scene, um, like I said, as expected, it's just a lot more the same thing that Angel on Fire had. But there's some more lesbian scenes because it's about this girl who's like talking with her psychiatrist and she's basically uh, had problems with men because her father raped her and turned into a lesbian is the whole premise. And so, yeah, if you like this like thing, this type of genre from uh, this era, then you're probably going to like this DVD from Vinegar Syndrome. But if you're not interested in, in the preservation of these types of films, 
you can probably find something similar just by doing a quick search on Pornhub. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but I don't know. Is it Angel on Fire? It's it's a straight hardcore pornographic flick. But I didn't find it titillating or entertaining in the slightest. So I'm giving Angel on Fire one out of four stars. Womp womp. <laughs> Not off to the best start for 2018 for my uh, best in the backlog films, and I blame you. So uh, no, I'll take full responsibility for that. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, you had like two on my top five from 2017, so that's all right. I can only go up. That's right. Excellent. So go ahead and talk about Class of Newcomb High 2. Okay, Class of Newcomb High Part 2, Subhumanoid Meltdown from 1991. Um, I love the subtitle. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's fucking trauma. It's great. So the story continues from the first film where the high school is destroyed by the power plant or by the nuclear plant. So now the nuclear plant has rebuilt the high school between the two nuclear stack towers. Um, so the school is now fully funded by the nuclear plant. And they're allowed to do testing on the students at the same time because it's so hot at the nuclear plant that the that the students practically have to just wear bikinis and other world warrior style gear uh, the whole time. So so you've got you've got bikini girls, then you've got these punks uh, dressed in like leather shorts with chains and stuff. And I swear, one of the punks was Chuck Skull, who was the manager of the Violators in roller games in the early 90s. I oh, guarantee man. it. If I'm wrong, then so be it. <laughs> but I saw him like, is that Chuck Skull? That is so cool. Anyhow. Wow. Um, yeah. So it fo- So the movie starts off where this big mutated um, squirrel is like a Godzilla stomping on the high school. Uh, the police are there. The army's there shooting at it. And this dude, uh, it's a surfer guy. Uh, oh, fuck, what was his name? Uh, Roger Smith. He um, is holding this girl, Victoria, in his arms. His, the love of his life. She is a subhumanoid mutant. Where... This professor at the school, Professor Holt, played by Lisa Gay, um, is creating this mutant-human hybrid for them to do all the dirty work. Now, you know she's a mutant when there's a mouse on their stomach. The thing is, because she's a subhuman mutant, um, they tend to um, disintegrate after a certain period of time. So, Roger wants to find a way to preserve her because he's in love with her. So the film is played kind of as a flashback because we we start off with the uh, squirrel attacking uh, the school and we go back to like a week before with Roger meeting Professor Holt who then he signs up for like a, a sex a sex thing so that he meets Victoria and then they fall in love blah 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 um, it's dumb it's stupid but it's trauma this is this is pure <laughs> awesome trauma. I actually have a poster of this film. Because oh, I'm looking nice. at the poster and I'm like, why do I own this? How did I <laughs> actually get this? But yeah, I got a one sheet for, for this film. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, for a trauma film, it's exactly what I want in a trauma film. It's early 90s. It's girls in bikinis. You see boobs. You see uh, post-punk post gangs. Because it's no longer like... 
it's gangs, but it's more like leatherheads in a way because mm-hmm. they're all wearing leather and stuff. But it's not like S and M leather. It's just it's just gang. So like, take like an early eighties, you know, punk gang and put them in like early nineties. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of weird. It's 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 more for comical effect, right? Um, yeah. Um, Lisa Gay actually has a uh, interview on the uh, special features of the Blu-ray, and uh, she's dressed in a two uh, in a, a uh, in a white brown panty uh, outfit the whole film with okay. a blue lab coat overhead because she is a professor. Hmm. And she talks about how she never gets naked in their films because everybody else is naked and everybody has nicer boobs than she is. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I would have liked to see her naked. She was a very pretty <laughs> lady. Um, yeah. Do I recommend this film? If you like trauma, yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is one of their better films I, I, that I've seen. Um, I liked it a lot, but it is no uh, game changer. I would probably give this like two and a half out of four stars. Okay. Good. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, better than I was expecting. So that's good. It's fun. It, it's 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 trauma two and a half. You know what I mean? Like right, exactly. If I put this beside like Citizen Kane, it gets a one out of four. But this is like for what it is, it does well. Everything is. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything is relative. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. So. Excellent. So for next week, we got to figure out what we're watching. So I went through your list here and yeah. I had one thing in mind, but I found something different. And if you've not seen this one, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. So okay. have you seen 2006's See No Evil with Kane? Uh, no, <laughs> I haven't. Okay. Good. Then you are watching See No Evil from 2006. It stars uh, Kane from WWE. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I got that for cheap. I got that for very cheap. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on that one. Okay. Well, so I have one perfect. for you. Good. Looking at your uh, to watch list. Yeah. Have you seen Nurse 3D? Yes, we actually reviewed that on the podcast. Did we? Ah, son of a bitch. Okay. Oh, it oh, was fuck. it was like episode six or something. So it was a long time ago. But oh, yeah, it's pre me then. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about Predator Two? Yes, I have. You have? Okay. Yep. Uh, you have to update your list. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that's on there because both of those should not be on there because I think they're both standalone. So I don't know how uh, how I fucked that up. But uh, well, Oh, yeah. Because I'm the wrong fucking. Ah, because I didn't fuck it up. Son of a bitch. That's the answer I'm looking for. Son of a bitch. I love Predator too. That's stupid. Okay. Movie. Well, we're, we're going to fix this right now. Um, okay. Now that you've shamed me in front of our <laughs> audience. I can, I can, um, I can delete that. I'll take that out. No, no. I'm going to make you watch Green Lantern, the extended cut. Oh, <laughs> oh fantastic. Excellent. Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern, Blake Lively, who is gorgeous from 2011. Yes. Fantastic. I have wanted to see this for so long, so we will check this out. Hopefully, I'll make a top five next year. Let's hope. <laughs> you know, I like putting superhero films in my top five, so yep. that's perfect. Oh, good. The extended cut is 123 minutes. So, <laughs> oh, you know Excellent. what? You can watch it theatrical if you like. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll watch the extended because uh, you know I like the extended cut. So we'll do that. <laughs> Fantastic. So I will be watching 2011's Green Lantern, and you will be watching 2006's See No Evil. Fantastic. Yes, two slashers. So- <laughs> I'm watching two slasher movies next week. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So, oh, I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were saying Green Lantern. I thought oh, you were joking that Green Lantern. Can Lantern's you imagine slasher. if Green Lantern turned evil and it's a slasher <laughs> flick and he uses that'd the be, ring for different that'd weapons? Amazing. That'd be oh. so fucking good. Oh, Hell yeah. That'd be I'd so good. Hell yeah. Oh. It'd be funny. It'd be funny if he used this ring to make uh, a weapon of two girls in a, a sipping bag as the weapon to hit people <laughs> with. Oh, I love Jason X. Oh, he's so good. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, excellent. Anyway. So yeah. that's going to wrap things up for this week. So we yes. will be back next Friday, January 19th, with a review of Cold Prey 2 from 2008 which is available on Vudu and Amazon Instant Video. So definitely rent that and watch it if you haven't already. It's fulfilled. So as always, if you have any questions for us here at the podcast, please, or corrections, as we pointed out earlier in the show, please hit us up using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust for any questions or corrections you'd like to share with us here on the show. Again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefashions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening. Positive reviews help us reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review and for telling your friends that we exist. And another reminder, you can find us on social media. We love interacting with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all of those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners how else they can find you online. You can find me on... Instagram and on Letterbox at mnado02. That's m n a d e a u zero two, and also on Twitter at uh, mark underscore nado. That's m a r c underscore n a d e a u. Fantastic! And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at simon one. That's p s y m i n one, and I'm on Letterboxd and Instagram on that same tag, simon one. And also. Uh, this will be the last time we mention it because it'll be the last time you can still vote. So head over to cinefashions.com and help us decide which film we will review for a week six of this arc. So that'll be the final review of this arc. You can choose between Thale, Let the Right One In, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead, or Troll Hunter. So definitely let your voice be heard. You have through Monday, January 15th to make your vote. So please head over to the website and answer that poll. All right. So thank you, Mark. Had a great time talking cold play. See? <laughs> God damn it. It just comes out naturally. Talking uh, cold prey with you this week. So thank you for joining me. Yes, I enjoyed uh, talking about Fritz Wilt. The, uh, <laughs> that's, that, that's me attempting a, a Norwegian accent. Exactly. Ruha Ultwurf. Yeah. You do a great job. It's uh, sexy. So good for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as always, thank you for listening to episode 118 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>